Forum Borealis Paradigm Expansion Greetings from the North to the citizens of the world. Welcome to the Forum and another episode in our philosophy series where we're gonna explore what lies beyond death. Now, such a topic is bound to be speculative to a certain extent, although a surprisingly abundance of valid, plausible and verified info can be found in both modern cutting-edge sciences as well as within ancient esoteric and spiritual sciences. We have uh, Cliff Highback, this time not in his capacity as computer and digital guru, but with the help of his other resources as a lifetime mystic and spiritual practitioner. Although I may not personally agree with every single detail of his take, I trust his judgment and insight level and find his contribution on the matter of sufficient value to be worthy of your consideration. His knowledge of Antarctic effects in our first show with him and his insight into consciousness matters in the second show checks out. But today... It will be a much more subjective and less verifiable approach, necessitated by the subject itself. But uh, Mr. High isn't a mere armchair philosopher who's read a few books, but a genuine psychonaut who brings to the table experience-based insights, coupled with adequate intuition and educational knowledge that I for one recognize is anchored in truth. Mr. High was born into a military family with a father who did intel work, and so lived abroad and moved around a lot in his years of growth. Though an autodidact in several areas, he's been into computers from its inception and has kept up to date, currently even teaching himself quantum computing. He's worked for Microsoft, GEC, Macroni, La Unum, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and many other private and public companies around the world as a contract software engineer and programmer. He also has a strong background in linguistics and human behavioral studies. Cliff High owns tons of wits and self-irony and humbly describes himself as an old ball guide living out in the woods, screwing around with computers. This understatement doesn't hide the fact that he programs in over a dozen computer languages and has a patent on computer-assisted reading technology. His claim to fame is his brilliant 1993 invention called WebBot, which took until 97 for completion. WebBot is an internet bot computer program that, through prognostic linguistics, is able to intercept global events before they happen. The WebBot forecast has had documented successes like predicting the 13,000 Bitcoin price and Trump's election and the anthrax attacks in Washington, the crash of American 507, many famous natural disasters and so on. 
Webbot uses the prologue artificial intelligence computer language that through words and phrase-centered processes extracts naturally occurring leaks from the collective unconscious through everyone's routine communications. He founded the Half Past Human Adventures and offers subscription-based access to detailed reports extracted from the Webbot results. Although he doesn't write books, his many alta or asymmetric language trend analysis reports are extensive and measures up to books. He's been featured in TV like History Channel and of course magazines and innumerable podcasts and radio shows like Coast to Coast and describes himself as a fiercely dedicated Aikidoka focused on life, freedom and the future with a desire to free people from tyranny, reject feds, fake money, otherwise known as dollars, and embrace Bitcoin, gold or silver. Like most geniuses, his creativity and productivity finds outlets in several areas, like his inventions in boat and water life, of which he is a passionate activist. But above all, for the purposes of today's show, Cliff is a natural philosopher and has been a yogi for over 50 years and practicing Aikido, as well as Zazen Chan meditation for over 30 years. This and other similar lifetime achievements he brings to the table of tonight's discussion. Bon appétit. So, welcome back to the forum, Cliff. Hey, Guy. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to have you, although I know it's a big risk factor because of all the backlash we got from the first show we did with you. I just mentioned it briefly before we start. Okay. We, we've only released two, uh, part one and two of the Antarctica thing. Part three is in making yeah. right now. It's going to be a, a full video. Right. And so it's taken time. And I, because of force majeure, we haven't done anything for three months. So everything was postponed. Uh, yeah. It should have been out uh, before, but it hasn't. So, oh my God, the pushback. Because we've been slow releasing part three, we've got a listener storm, I guess is the word. Ooh. Every day we get people who says, where's part three? Where's part three? Where's part <laughs> oh, three? well, damn. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, All right. And some people, some people get angry. <laughs> they like it so well that they are just spewing out at yeah. us for not having released it. Right. Even though they can donate one single dollar and they can get it today. But I mean, so much cheap, some, some can't even afford that. Uh, some yeah. don't have means to pay whatever. So, but still, it's, it's, it's probably been one of our, yeah, probably our most popular show to date. Ooh. So I, I appreciate your huge following and their passion, but I, I kind of wish the program wasn't that good, <laughs> that popular. <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't have to spend every single day. You know, answering them for where is part three. So I blame you. Don't, don't do this okay. program so very well. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so today we're going to move even deeper into the voo. We started with, uh, I guess we could call it the uh, fancy sensational voo. Then we went in the second program we did, we went into consciousness. Pretty interesting uh, in light of especially these popular TV series and movies. You have, uh, of course, Westworld. 
you have humans and then you have a movie I recommended you I didn't recall the title then I do now and it's called Ex Machina okay you ought to watch that movie it won prizes and everything it's it's just totally brilliant yeah check it out yeah and uh, now we're going even deeper than that we're going to go behind the veil and cross the abyss and see what we can get out of that and sure that would be the gates of death uh, transmigration, uh, metempsychosis, uh, reincarnation. Right. Yeah. But I wonder how the consciousness thing will do and the reincarnation thing. I, I don't think it will top it because no, that's the uh, less uh, less of an audience. I think in general. Yeah, and less sensational. Yeah, more and more thinking required. Yeah, if more thinking required certainly. But I'm although I'm I don't personally have the opinion that there's. Um, uh, nothing more intriguing than the metempsychoses, than yeah. the after after death <coughs> uh, process. So yeah. So today we're gonna cover basically your your spiritual paradigm as regards to death and reincarnation. And I realize you have so many fans that it, it can just be about your paradigm anyway. We don't have to be that objective. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Now sometimes I do mere interviews where I shut up and I listen <laughs> and I don't interrupt. But since this is a topic that I'm deeply interested in, you you're gonna pull me in. I know. And, <laughs> I, and I same... may challenge you, or I may yeah yeah, yeah um, this is fine substantiate something you say or I may throw another angle to it whatever and a few new people who don't know our concept will get annoyed from that but most enjoy it because that's what we do here right and you you told us last time that you have um, an experience that's made up kind of your your view on this so I guess we should just start with you leading us into into that field Okay, so there's there's a couple of different ways to examine this, but both are going to require that we have a uh, definition of who we are as humans, mm. uh, and and in order to set the stage, I'll start defining some terms because we're going to discuss what is called metempsychoses, and this is the mentition by definition. This is the mentition that occurs uh, uh, between lives after death and and before the next life. And the uh, metempsychosis is quite real. There are um, even um, allopathic physicians who deal with death all the time who will tell you, yeah, there is some brainwave activity, even uh, consistently, uh, even uh, minutes and, and an hour or more after the the body is officially declared dead, even though the, the lungs don't uh, circulate air, the blood is settling down, there's still thought going on. There's still thought registering. And you just have to say this is proven scientifically per today. Correct. Correct. And it's it's so common as to be noticed by uh, the technicians that have to retrieve the machinery off of the recently deceased person, like uh, the uh, EKGs, EEGs, etc. Right. Mm. Uh, so so they know that this occurs. Now, uh, in the past, when people were struggling with the definition of who am I, what am I, 
uh, various different schools and far lineage uh, in history would uh, or have uh, have arisen. Many of and they're all pursuing the same goal, even though they may take a different uh, disciplinary methodology or methods to get at it. But but basically, those that were um, successful set about defining uh, the tools that they were going to use to determine. Uh, what was human and what was existent in the metempsychoses, what happened after death. And so uh, some of these schools were quite rigorous in their approach, occupied this uh, study over thousands of years, uh, categorized the results on it, and were systematic in this. And a couple of these schools are the yogi, uh, uh, unorganized relatively out of India, um, nonetheless very successful. Yeah, but, you, but you, uh, hang on, yogi is a very, very, very broad term and field, and it encompasses many, many traditions, some of which are not sure. that related anyway. So are you just generally referring to whatever is genuine there? Or? No, sorry. What I'm, what I'm talking about is uh, specifically... <sighs> The uh, material that Patanjali uh, wrote in right. in the sun. original yoga, yoga. correct. Uh, the original um, science of yoga, also known as the Yoga Sutras, it's one of the most condensed uh, books on the planet where there is not a single wasted word. It was intended to be very precise in what it described, even to the point of identifying those things that could not be defined, like uh, the Purusa. So, so that would be what, what's referred to as Tantra Yoga, wouldn't it? And I'm not referring to the Western sexual uh, association of the world, but the original Tantric uh, tradition. There's some dispute about about, but yes, in general, I would suggest that Kashmir yoga, as it was practiced um, in Kashmir, Tibet, Nepal, mm. uh, which would include the tantra yogas, had a very more connection to that original base. Okay, the Vairavyana. Uh, correct. Correct. Mm. And and see, here's the thing: the the guy's name in our historical understanding was called he's called Patanjali, hmm. and really that means Jolly from the Pathan area or oh, the Hindu Kush. Okay. okay, so so it was more of a regional association, and we don't know for sure that there was an individual by that name. Uh -huh. We do know that this book is written in Sanskrit, in in a very terse, um, uh, precise way that that uh, only is seen in Sanskrit science books. Sanskrit is a very flowery language. It lends itself to um, poetry and um, uh, alliteration and all kinds of wordplay that you don't even have in English, even though English, 60% of English in terms of its uh, syntax and how it uh, is all put together, its vocabulary it derives directly from Sanskrit. Okay, two, two seconds. We need to offer some practical self-help because okay. people will want to get this book because it is translated and it is out there. But from what you're saying now, I'm thinking there may be many different translations and some will be more valuable than others. So can you recommend a specific translation that you uh, validate? Yeah, um, it's done by a guy by the name of... Um, Itani, I think. If I had the book right here, I'm looking through my books as we speak, trying to find it uh, so that I can give you the ISBN. But I'll um, I'll do that even if I can't find it here right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll give you the ISBN so that you can put that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but the thing too is that. 
there's commentaries on this and all of the translations, uh, they all have some form of commentary on each of the individual sutras. But almost all of them also have the original sutra in Sanskrit, the uh, transliteration into um, a Roman language, because you can get, you know, the thing translated into Italian for, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not restricted to English. No, I'll have it in Danish of all things. Yeah, there you go then. Mm. Okay, see, so, um, and so the commentary is useful, but to me, it was the, um, the precision and the terseness of what was actually discussed in the text, even though there are some things, like I say, like the Perusa and many of these other elements that are not defined. Mm. All right, so, okay, so if we look at the, um, yogic perspective and the Taoist perspective about this subject, we discover that what they're doing is they're bringing from pre, from pre ice age. So from before 12,500 years ago, the, these, um, schools of thought were in existence. And what we have now is a remnant. So the, uh, yoga, uh, sutras as is put out, the science of yoga as is put out by the Patanjali is incomplete and it's a fractured system. It's a, it's a small, uh, unknown quantity of a previously whole complete understanding of things. Um, yeah, because, because when they wrote it down, it will, had already been a living oral tradition for thousands of years and people need to understand that's how it used to go down in in ancient times stuff wasn't written down especially not after after the big correct, catastrophe correct. and uh, one more uh, substantiation and you can continue and that is that close dono this uh, i think is austrian uh, you probably heard of him yeah yeah, yeah. he has uh, for the benefit of the listener who doesn't know him he's a collector we're going to try get him on soon and he's found uh, artifacts all over the world that uh, in different places that are extremely old some predates uh, back into the ice age and what they have in common is that they are obviously written in uh, they're written in the same kind of symbolism system same language and it's what he calls proto sanskrit in other words right. it just suggests what even mainstream scholars also thinks that Sanskrit may be the oldest surviving uh, language on earth. And then if you do have something like the Yoga Sutras that are written down at some point that has been a living tradition within that language, that yeah. tradition, then we know there is a possible, probable, I say, link back to the science, the, the knowledge, the philosophy that were reigning before the fall, before the end of the Ice Age. And also we need to note that uh, Sanskrit is uh, voluminous in the things that are written down in it. Mm. And the vast majority of, of um, texts that are in Sanskrit that have survived to this date are yet to be translated into any other language. Wow. So there's – so the – you know, I mean it's like 90 plus percent of Sanskrit yes. volumes have not even been approached. I'm, I know of one um, – effort uh, involving many hundreds of translators that is working th their way through a library and they just celebrated after a number of years having reached uh, the B's, the second letter, <laughs> <laughs> the second letter of the alphabet for them. Oh my you God. know, 
Yeah, and but but you're quite correct about this. There's a proto Sanskrit that may even, in fact, join Sanskrit and uh, Pali and um, uh, what's that other language? But it's outrageous. It should have if we spent just a fraction of what we spend in destruction of ancient places through warfare and and all that stuff. If we just invested that in exploring our roots, imagine the boost to to culture and civilization. Oh, exactly, what exactly. Gems must be be waiting for us to discover. We don't right. need the and fucking imagine. Alexandrian library. <laughs> right, <laughs> we, uh, right. <laughs> oh, you're right. Anyway, sorry. But, but the, cha- the chaos that would erupt would be tremendous because, of course, these things are going to upend everything we know. So, for instance, exactly. okay, so for instance, let's just uh, categorically state that it is, um, uh, I'm of the opinion that that those schools of thought, including those in the North America and Central America and so on, uh, that recognize that humans have multiple minds are correct. And so the multiple minds of a human consist of the body mind, the feeling mind, the Mm. desire mind, knowledge and reason, and then the thinking mind and the knowing mind. And it is the thinking mind and the knowing mind that are not within our bodies now. And our bodies are so limited that when our consciousness is shoving itself into our bodies at an advanced age, by the way, and we can get into that, but... um, so uh, it, it, when when that occurs, this is why you always have this feeling. All humans in all cultures will tell you that they have a higher self if you approach it in such a way as to allow them to uh, direct the conversation. They may not use that word, but we all have this this understanding of ourselves as something greater than what is shoved into our bodies. So so the, so your model would be a sevenfold um, division. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. And. Um, also, let us let us note that uh, when when there is that the argument about conception, life beginning at conception, then you can grant that. I can grant you that yes, at conception, life has begun. But there's no in my in my frame of reference, there's not necessarily a consciousness inhabiting that infant until some number of years, and it can stretch out a considerable number of years uh, after birth. Wow. Usually, people will. Uh, enter into the body, consciousness will flow into that body that has been created for them. It's all a very intricate process. But usually this will occur sometime between 8 months and 18 months. It is it is uh, typified by the occurrence of the why period, where, you're, where there's some um, level of a questioning on the part of that new human as to why. This is going on. What's happened? But there, but there are obviously unconscious processes going on. Correct. Correct. The, the okay. So this is how it works. Uh, let's define, for instance, the soul. Okay, and the, mm. and this will become uh, a little bit clearer as we go forward. Mm. Everybody says, uh, "Oh, I'm going to trade my soul to the devil for whatever," or "I've lost my soul," or. I am a soul. We all use this term without really defining it. Most people can't. Almost all religions are unable to define the soul simply. But the same applies for the uh, notion of God. No, God is okay, but also God is very also easily understood in this system. And God only exists on this side of the death barrier. Uh, mm. and, uh, and we know this and we can prove it just by history and looking around us. So the gods, the, and gods can die and they can be resurrected. Uh, but it's a combined energy that is a god, and it only exists on this side of death. I've been, I've gone through the meditation process that can yield 
uh, brief glimpses of the metempsychoses from this life and can validate experientially, you have to take my word for it, I guess, that indeed that is the case, that after death, God does not show up when you're actually transiting into the metempsychoses. Mm -hmm. There's a brief period of time when the minds are confused, and that's the period of time in the death process that you'll see Jesus or be escorted to, you know, Yahweh sitting on a giant throne and so forth. But that, that is you're still trapped in a transitional phase and you're not actually into the metempsychoses then. But let me get back to the soul. Sure. Okay, the, the soul is conscious, but it is not you. It is not your consciousness. The soul is an, uh, an automaton. Okay, it's a, it's a mechanism whereby a body is grown for you. Now, this mechanism is very complex because the soul grows that body for you from a template that is the, um, uh, the combined egg and sperm of the, of the, the parents. But you'll note that this, the genetics do not hold true that you can be quite different from your brother, even though genetically and DNA shows that you're indeed both of those, those parents and nothing, nothing happened there. Right. Mm. And so, um, the soul comes on into existence or the soul doesn't die. It, it serves a, a function and it is conscious. It is conscious of its purpose, but not of itself. All right. You have to make that distinction. It is aware of its purpose. It knows what to do, but not of itself doing it. And so there's the difference between conscious and consciousness. It's not aware of itself being conscious. So would you agree with how most people define the soul as uh, some kind of self, higher self, deepest self, the real me, no, the I? No, no, no. No, 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 no. That's, it's, it has nothing to do with I-ness. Okay. Okay, you're correct that the, the deeper self, the I-ness, the um, higher self, is, how we, uh, is who we are. But the soul is at the other end of that. It's the, it's the mechanical part that, that creates the body, that makes it breathe, and so on. And it brings a, across a huge amount of uh, karmic activity. Yeah, but, okay, but wouldn't so this just be semantics? Because when people... No, 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 no. Let me explain. Let okay. me explain. Okay. okay. So, so um, uh, the woman becomes, uh, gets into a state where pregnancy can occur. Uh, she, the, the action of the sperm and the egg create a gestation. In that process of gestation, certain hormones are released by that, that woman. As part of this process, in a manner that is unknown and to a certain extent shouldn't or can't be discussed adequately in words, there is the soul becomes aware that that woman's pregnancy is uh, available, so to speak, mm. and it is slotted to that. The mechanism whereby that soul finds that uh, woman, we needn't go into, but there's many different descriptions of it. Mm. And what happens is she breathes in the soul. It, the soul of that new life enters her body via her breath. Mm. And, and it then takes what is a generic process that would, would yield a, a very um, undifferentiated human, and it is a template, and it is magnetically and energetically surrounds the uh, gestating fetus and impresses upon that uh, newly forming body 
the, uh, the mold characteristics that the soul brings. So you can think of the soul as a, a two-part mold that smacks itself around the fetus such that as the fetus matures, it takes on the characteristics of that mold. Hang on, what, what, what was that word, mold? M-O-L-D, uh, like in a, a molding a boat. A, a template, correct, okay. correct. Mm. Okay, so so a um, a ch you know so it's so the soul is a is this template, and it is more than a template because the soul goes with that body and becomes part of that body until death, and brings along to that body and accumulates within that body the karma of both the past life and the and of the current life. Can, can the body survive without it? No. No, without the soul, no. If the fail, soul fails to attach, uh, stillbirth results. And if the soul um, is Leaves. damaged, if the soul is damaged, which it can happen, Ooh. if the soul is damaged to a certain extent in its relationship with that body, then consciousness can't enter that body and you'll have um, uh, uh, a sort of a bizarre death series after birth. So, you know, so the, the body can be born and the, in the process of birth or because of radiation or some of these various different effects, the soul can uh, fail to provide the conduit, the silver thread, the shashuna mm. that is necessary for consciousness to come on in some eight months to 18 months later on. Almost everybody, if they really think about it, if they can put their mind to it, will have a first memory. Okay. Yeah. No one's no one's first memory is the birth canal. No one's first memory is inside their mother's womb. Actually, actually, I didn't want to bring this up because I want you to go on, but now I have to. Sure. And I've already disclosed it in an interview someone did with me um, when I was uh, a child, very very little. I I guess five or something. I I don't recall exactly how old, but I was telling my mother about. They were talking about France, and I was I was conceived, by the way, in France. Right. And they were talking about uh, France, and I said, "Hey, do you remember in Paris when this and that happened?" And she looked at me as she's seen a ghost, and she said, "But, but, but, honey, you weren't born then. You were in mommy's belly." And I remember that was a shock. <laughs> I didn't believe sure, it at sure. first. Okay. And I agree that that can occur. So, so, and, and like, like the interviewer told me, uh, you did not have a memory of being inside of her womb, right? <laughs> no, I didn't. It was uh, uh, like I identified with what happened, like I was outside. Okay. And, and I agree. Get it? So, yeah. so that's my earliest memory. <laughs> uh, okay. So one of your earliest memories is in fact telling your mother about uh, data that you knew about, not the memory of the, uh, occurrence. You, in other words, you're, you're, you had no, uh, physical, um, body mind participation in that memory. And so we, we need to define this a little bit more. Okay. okay? Mm. The, the first memory that most people have will be coming into their body. All right. Okay. And so, Okay, so for me, I can be quite personal and I can say that uh, I came into this body, it was in the um, early evening, it was in Alaska, wow. I, was a I was over a little, I was a little over eight months old, 
and uh, I was on a on the floor of the living room of the apartment that uh, we had been assigned our quarters up there. Uh, it was just entering into winter, and I f- and I came into my body, and I was um, lying on the the green carpet of the floor there, and and began crawling. Oh, so you were already born, right? You were like sure, sure, sure. I was eight months old. Eight right? months, yeah. Okay. Okay, and now. I, I had knowledge. I had knowledge in my body of the gestation process, but no memory of it. And there's a difference. Okay, hmm. and so it is as though the soul brings along the collection of the of everything that has occurred to you and and uh, has happened to you. And this is a necessity because part of the soul's task as a consciousness conscious entity is to collect the karma that you have to interact with. And that karma begins as soon as the egg and the sperm meet. And so you might find that there are individuals who have karma from not being born because their mother was killed right after gestation began in a war or in a flood or something like this. Mm. And it happens to them repeatedly and because of the nature of the Carmens. If you, if you want to get into specifically into the nature of the Carmens and what they bring to us, there's this German fellow who's a Jain. Jain is a, Jainism is a religion out of India, about 30 or 40 million people. It's not insubstantial, uh, very um, ephemeral. There's no uh, God figure, but they've done some just fantastic categorization of the individual Carmens and their uh, import on human life. And it's uh, very extensive. I think it's been translated into English. I read it in German, and again, I'd have to hunt it down for you to give you the ISBN. It's not that big of a book. It's maybe 200 pages. How do you write uh, that word, Carmen? How's that written? Uh, K-A-R-M-E-N. It is the individual of the plural karma, oh, okay. which means okay. which means action, right? Okay, I'm following. Mm. Okay, and so an individual. Okay, so um, a universe or, or, or a philosophy would have you uh, ex- understand karma as the as a relationship with past deeds or events that catch up with you in current time. Okay, the mechanism that this happen by which this happens is that the karma karmans. Are, are like um, uh, a spiritual particle, and they adhere to your um, spiritual body, so to speak, your greater body. The soul, by the way, creates more than just your physical appearance. It creates your body energetically. It creates the body out to the uh, various different layers of that energy. Uh, so it's quite substantial. But do you use the um, same soul every life? Correct. Correct. And so what it, happens? It is immor- immortal then. It's eternal. There's a big difference because it dies. Right, right, right. We, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so uh, we are eternal beings. We're not immortal. And uh, the soul at the end of life in the metempsychosis splits off from your consciousness and it is what uh, experiences hell. Okay, mm. and the reason that it that it experiences hell is that the mechanism of life has our souls burn off that karma and distill it down. It distills down all of the, um, let's just say from our perspective on this side of metempsychosis, it distills down all of the successful karmic interactions into a thick syrupy mass that is then taken into the next life as your intuition. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So this expl- this explains what intuition is. It's a knowledge without having to think about it. It's an experience-based knowledge that you know beyond um, uh, doubt that will be, uh, in terms of you know what your intuition tells you, you know beyond doubt to be factual, true, etc. Mm-hmm. But you have no basis for substantiating that until you take uh, action based on your intuition and it works out. Mm-hmm. And intuition uh, carries over from life to life to life to life to life. And so the more successful you are in your various many lives, the more intuitive you become over time, thus guaranteeing more success in the next life. So it increases in line with your maturity. Your soul, soul maturity, I guess you could call it. Correct, correct. And the soul, it, it, you have a relationship with the soul, but the soul has no feeling for you. It doesn't, um, it's only your soul, but it, it doesn't recognize you as an individual, does not participate in your thoughts that way. Its job is to do the, the management part of it. It's sort of like your operating system for your body and your spiritual body and your karma. But then it's time to start defining the I you're referring to, because most people would have thought that's the soul. So what is the the me in all this? Okay, okay. So the me, the I-ness, is how it's referred to in the various disciplines that I'm aware of that that really discuss this. I-ness comes into into reality at the uh, fusion level of the thinker and the knower mind. So I-ness is a is as a um, a concept is actually filtered down to the body. You know, Inus, and you also know that Inus is not restricted to your body, that Inus exists independent of your body. And you can prove this to yourself by going to sleep and then waking back up as the same individual. Mm. There's nothing, nothing that ever changes relative to the feeling of Inus. There's nothing that can be changed relative to the feeling of Inus. No, no, everybody would have to be uh, agree with this. Even materialists, they will rationalize why they feel Inus and that it's not, uh, that, and that it is an illusion. But nonetheless, everybody who are human will beings acknowledge. will agree. Yeah. So you don't even have Correct. to argue for that. <laughs> there is right. an Inus. And also, Right. And also there's another uh, corollary to this. All right. And the corollary has to do with the consciousness that is attached to Inus. That consciousness can get quite diluted at times uh, and it can become um, dysfunctional uh, through various different ways. But that consciousness cannot be destroyed. You can you can kill yourself, but you're not able with the um, use of drugs, even even vast, powerful drugs like, um, uh, you know, some of the it, it doesn't matter. But but even even hugely powerful drugs, while they'll distort your perception of reality, when you when you come back to Inus and even within that drug experience, Inus is independent and its relationship to consciousness is unbroken. And so the uh, statements that you can, you know, expand your consciousness, alter your consciousness, accelerate your consciousness, or ascend to another kind of consciousness, is are they're all bullshit. Because consciousness is as inviolate and as steady mm-hmm. as is Inus, as is your soul. So... Yeah, but but shouldn't we have a better word for this than Inus? Uh, c- could it work to say, because I distinguish between consciousness and mind. For me, yeah. mind is like the eye and consciousness is like the sight. Uh, does that work? I don't know if that works in your model. That's, 
Uh, no, it doesn't in my model because they've defined consciousness in uh, like the yogic and the Taoist traditions as the uh, purusa, okay, which is this kind of generalized blending of consciousness and uh, the soul. And so it becomes very um, – the potential for confusion no. rises as we delve deeper into this, okay? Indeed. All right, so so let's let's just concentrate again on the soul and the process here. Mm -hmm. So so you you get born uh, or you get uh, the body becomes um, uh, the template uh, adheres to the body. The bo you get born and thereafter you're living in the template of that soul. The soul has brought with it all of the karma that you're going to face in your life. Now you don't have to reconcile that karma. You don't have to do anything. But universe will keep bringing it up to you. Mm. And these are the these are the reasons that we all have patterns in our life that are operated greater level and even the materialists even the gross materialists will acknowledge that such patterns and cycles appear to exist even if they deny the causal relationship mm. all right mm. and so um some people for instance find themselves continually facing a certain um uh patterns and travails and no matter what they do and the further faster that they run away from these the more frequently they're presented with them and it is as though universe is self-aware and compensating and bringing them up to them in new uh and interesting forms because universe thinks that they should deal with that and basically that's our understanding and that is that universe wants you to have a chance to interact with this you can choose not to but at some light you will have to because it'll keep bringing it up. Karma that's not yep. dealt with in this life is carried over to the next life because you use the same soul. When you die, the um, soul, okay, so when you die, the body is left behind, a collection of atoms. And the um, various different traditions say that uh, the ones that I'm, I'm supporting here are saying that it is better to destroy the body relatively rapidly because as long as the body exists on, in this plane of reference, uh, the soul can't get into a necessary part of its activity, which is the burning off of the karma and the karmans that have been dealt with and the distillation of those down into the intuition as well Sounds as like the dog dog agrees with you uh, I yes, just, yes indeed yes. i just want to say that uh, we may if there's time we, we can take a further discussion on that particular point later like we already did in in the former show but go on sure okay and so the um, the metempsychosis part of this has the mind separating from the soul, and the soul goes off and does its stuff, and you don't really associate with the soul until the next life. Mm. And so in the entire time of the metempsychosis, you are uh, differentiated from the soul in a way that does not occur in life. Right. And, and now, um, okay, so... And that's why you feel free and, and elevated, correct. because you're not bogged down by all the by karma? The, by the, uh, and by the gross materialism, by the actual condensate of energy that is matter. Okay, we're much freer, you feel much more, you're actually in heaven. Yeah, but it sounds to me like the, the soul, although it's not matter, it can't be defined as matter, it's still a, a, a grosser, denser energy than that of the I-ness itself. Correct, correct. It is, it is. And so, and so you're quite correct in terms of a gradient, it's further down the scale towards condensed matter mm. from the I-ness that is actually consciousness. 
And mm. so, okay, so after death, you go into the what they call the metempsychoses, and there will be certain uh, experiences that you will go through. Everybody does go through them, and then after that, um, and during that period of time, uh, time as we understand it here does not exist. So when you're in that state of um, rarefied existence. Okay, you feel as though you're in heaven, and heaven is perpetual. Mm. Um, but heaven is is also individual. You will find that there are uh, people that you can interact with in heaven, but they are illusionary people. Uh, you don't share heaven with any other beings. Your concept of heaven, the feelings that you will have in uh, paradise, are not shared with your family or with any oh, of like lucid dreams you can you can invoke a, a certain level of lucid dreams is uh, not just becoming awake that you're dreaming but you can start creating stuff so you can let's say invoke uh, a hot chick <laughs> and you can sure, have sure, sure, quote unquote sure, sex could... with her but it's not another person it's not another being other Correct. than something you created out of that right and, and this is of a necessity it has to exist this way because when you're in your heaven so if you were in your heaven and you actually shared space so to speak even though space doesn't exist there even and you shared space with someone like myself my raspy mood one day would alter <laughs> heaven for you and and you would not be in your heaven anymore and so since heaven is but yeah but the universe is economic so uh, it's like the old joke that cat heaven and mouse hell is the same place <laughs> <laughs> exactly 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 okay it's very very much more complex than we can put into words now and you can right. go on for hours about what actually occurs at that that okay. stage all right okay. uh but uh it is quite true that there are experiential um techniques that have been evolved by um Diverse groups from Polynesian and Mesoamerican uh, curanderos and, and explorers of psychedelic plants all the way through to yogis and Taoists. Shamans. Correct. And all of, these, all of these experiences that these individuals have can all be correlated to descriptions of the same processes and, and so on. And so you can, there's a thing, uh, a particular kind of meditation called uh, the moat in one's eye, M-O-T-E, the moat in one's eye. And it involves taking micro doses of what would otherwise be uh, hallucinogenic substances and doing meditative practices that put you into... Like ayahuasca? Um, yeah, but you can't microdose ayahuasca. Oh, okay. 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 So usually in the, in the Americas, you would see this, um, being done with uh, psychedelic mushrooms, some form of cubensis. Um, uh, it can, uh, it also has been done with, um, uh, microdosing of, dis of, um, concentrates of things like kava, uh, in the Polynesian islands. Okay. And so, in the ancient West, uh, they used a mystical uh, substance called swarma that we correct. are not entirely uh, lucid about what that is. But I have to also add for our Western spiritual audience that there is, a, a, I guess you could call it an equivalent technique that's uh, without drugs, actually, that has also survived, although it's not very well known today. And it's what's called incubation, uh, the uh, Hesha-style incubation that was done by 
ancient initiates, uh, especially in Greece, right. if people run and buy a book called Knowing, really recommend it by uh, Professor Peter Kingsley. Probably one of the best books out there, at least about this uh, specific topic. You'll see that right. the old... Uh, uh, Margus called Parmenides. People know him as a philosopher, but they were anything but what we define as philosophers today. But he did this. He went into complete stillness. And you have surviving uh, tr uh, techniques in Taoism too that are similar to this. Right. So he goes into complete stillness for many, many days. Uh, he's, for all intents and purposes, dead. Uh, but his heart rate is very, very, very low. And he goes, travels to the other side, like you did, and he comes back. And this is the origin to the word prophet. A prophet wasn't originally one who foresaw the future. A prophet was one who managed, which is very hard, to travel to the other side, to the what they call the domains of the gods, yeah. and brought something back that is not just for himself, but that can have an objective value that can be applied for, for so that's a prophet. And so there are techniques that people have accumulated all around the world that can make you do this with or without substances. Correct. I mean, techniques are just to alter your consciousness anyway. And there's many ways to do that with breath, for instance. So yeah, just to substantiate what yeah. you're saying. Sorry, go on. And it, and it is, it, no, that's fine. And it is, um, uh, it's really an issue of efficiency. So the mm. reason to, to use the drugs is you don't have to spend years training your body exactly. and, and then have to spend days and days on each process. Mm -hmm. You still have to train your body. You still have to train your mind using these substances. Uh, but the the rest of the process is a lot more efficient, even though there is a, a greater potential for a harsher response. Exactly. It's a risk. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and it's called, yes. it used to call the dry way as opposed to the humid way, which is the slow safer way yes yes anyway. and the dry the dry way would get you there in yeah. in 20 minutes of a meditation after having if you can handle it <laughs> if you can and if you can survive and and come back yeah. correct yeah. and this is the kind of things that um uh terence mckenna didn't do these kind of meditations but he achieved the breakthrough to these spaces uh -huh. and there he discovered what he called the machine elves Okay, the machine elves are these uh, beings that don't exhibit eyeness. Right. And, um, Jinns? Exactly. And the machine elves don't exhibit eyeness. And so they're basically a word for the same uh, process, fairies. Uh, Is it the same as Deva in Indian? Yes, mm, okay. yes. And, and so um, they're all describing these beings that appear to work at or operate within the greater mechanism that is universe, and they serve various different purposes, and they don't appear to have eyeness. They don't exhibit that in front of, of uh, the explorers, the prophets, the drug takers, the meditators that, that reach this breakthrough. Could the quote-unquote grace in modern ufology paradigm be a manifestation of this? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Okay. okay, for for a number of different reasons, uh, because the grays, by the way, okay. So at a basic level, while the um, the machine elves don't exhibit inus, they exhibit fifth order, uh, a fifth a fifth level of order. So a fourth order. Uh, okay, so we are fifth order beings that I don't look like you. 
you don't look like your brother necessarily. Right. Twins, twins don't necessarily look like each other. Mm. All grays look alike. All right. 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 All, all of the machine elves look differently. Uh, they, they are all, they're all different from each other. They're not clones. But they don't have oinas, but they're individual nonetheless? Correct. They, they have individual, they have individuation, but they don't have inus as we would understand it. No, it means that, that they're, uh, simply don't have a knower and a thinker that is, um, individual to them, even though their bodies that they present to us, their, the face that they exhibit to us, uh, has individuality. So they're, they're a fifth okay. order being, mm. uh, we even in everything we touch as humans, we make, uh, complexity uh part of the process that l leads to individuation and so when we try and breed dogs we end up with new kinds of dogs that look different um uh, so uh animal life that's going the other way that's fourth order is like the grays but also like insects insects are always replicating themselves as close as possible to mm. the t the template so it's as though all insects shared the same soul i'm not able to comment on how the evolution of the soul progresses without going into stuff that would take us five or 10 hours yeah, to yeah. really explore. Mm. But, but be, beyond that, the machine elves, uh, serve a function in communicating to the mind of the prophet or the explorer as they're doing these meditations. It is as though the machine elves are placed as, um, uh, wayposts or guideposts. And instead of actually you having to read something that says, in my case, it was like, uh, I did the meditation very specifically because my brother was dying and I needed to know certain things mm. and in, in order to aid him. And so I did the meditation and I, uh, crossed the great divide as they call it, or crossed the great water. And I did everything that was appropriate uh, such as leaving a trail for myself. You never surrender yourself a hundred percent. You always try and restrict 10% so that you can find your way back to your body and all of these various different things. And I encountered the machine elves and I encountered the machine elves all, all sitting around like, um, uh, garden gnomes on shelves and one, <laughs> and, and I'm serious. And serious. I mean, it's serious. That no, was, no, was, I know, but they take the image you project, I'm, I'm guessing. So, apparently so that's yes. a cute uh, way. Correct. And, <laughs> and, and, and in front of the doorway, there's no real door there. There's just a space. But in front of the doorway into the realm of, of uh, the metempsychoses, into the realm of death, mm -hmm. I encounter a bunch of machine elves sitting on a, a shelf. There were like three shelves of them. So there might have been 25 or more. And one of the buggers told me, uh, uh, you're not to go in there. Mm -hmm. And, and again, surprising myself in that interaction, I was in a non-characteristic way, I, I basically said to the little machine elf, uh, it's, it, you're not able to tell me that little man. I was very, very arrogant. I, I was, uh, full of a power that I did not know I possessed until I got into that, that realm. Corroboration time in sure. magical tradition. That's what you have to do. You have to, um, emphasize, assert your power because we have allegedly then we're from uh, the source, right? We are a divine yeah. in that we share the original spark, which makes us at a higher 
higher level of the cosmic hierarchy than even angels and that's uh, you know the whole thing about Lucifer and all that is related to this but we're not going there now because that's five more hours <laughs> but right. that's what you did you did the magician prerogative that you have to do when you're going to manu- maneuver these fields uh, without being you know knocked down hey. by the first encounter so uh, good on you kudos yeah and and like i say i was rather surprised and shocked at myself because it was intuitively yeah and and it was uh, something that's out of character in my current life right yeah. you know yeah. i'm i'm an aikidoist and so i always you know i would let them attack go with the flow right exactly exactly i'd let mm. them attack and respond i wouldn't be aggressive that way but nonetheless i was and i achieved my goal which was to go on in and discover what was going on and um the interaction like regular affairs <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. And so, so I find myself in a um, uh, a situation of having uh, gone there and come back, and I was able to assist my brother in the course of of his uh, passing and provide him with the assistance that he needed. Now, <clears throat> I had always suspected that I would be able to do this because people who have uh, that were close to me that have uh, died would come and visit me within that 24-hour period following their death mm-hmm. usually in the in uh, you know times when you're asleep or whatever uh, very yeah yeah but that must be before they went to uh, the proverbial heaven because you said there's no correct. we're not in touch correct. with others correct you're i know correct there is a period of time that seems to be about 24 hours that in which you're still able to make things occur within this space within mm. the material and thereafter and that, that's because the body still exists right you still have a link to to the earthly and that's domain. and that's because the Right, and that's because the brain, even though it is um, waning, is still able to have some interaction with the material around it, right. even though it's cooling and so on. And so you, you do have uh, this potential. And so this is this is a comfort to many people. Now, we're, the idea is for this whole whole uh, program here is reincarnation. Uh, transmigration. Okay, I don't. I don't buy transmigration as a, as a process, so to speak, because I think it's a misdefinition. The soul. You, and then you mean you can't go from being a human to being a flower. Correct. That's correct, what you're talking about. Correct. Right? Correct. You can only go up in evolution. Uh, no, you can. Uh, okay, so that's not quite true. You can. Uh, it is extremely difficult once you're a human to become an unhuman. Uh, it can be done, though. Okay, isn't that isn't that the law of all the masters that that's what they manage to do? They manage to to transhuman themselves and become good, quote unquote gods. Okay, but that's that's a progression upward. I'm talking about yeah. those people that would would screw it up and might become a dog oh. when they'd been a human. Okay, right, like the proverbial Hitler reincarnated as a Jewish dog. <laughs> uh, there, you, there you go. Right, and see, so here's the thing: it's it's a it's a case of um, um, universe is cooperative, and it'll cooperate with you and allow you to make all of the mistakes that you need to make for your karma. But it does place a resistance level in making. Uh, mistakes that undoes its work, and the yogic tradition and the Taoist tradition is that you have a you have um, about eighty two million lives uh, before you become a human, and so you've learned right. something, right? You've been yeah, and you can't and, and if the soul, uh, the way you define the soul, uh, that wouldn't then fit to be put into a lower 
kind of creature. Correct. Because it's now designed for a human existence. But people will probably really punish us if I don't now ask you to go back to your story between life and complete us through that before we go on to philosophizing. Sure, sure. Because I can already hear that at the edge of the seat. <laughs> okay, so so my personal interaction in the metempsychoses there, uh, I've done it an, uh, a couple of other times, uh, but that particular uh, episode, uh, it taught me what I needed to know. Now, here's here's the my particular problem in describing. Uh, what happened once I went around the shelf uh, where the um, uh, machine elves were were stacked outside the door. First off, they were very correct. Okay. It, I should not have done it. That uh, it aided my brother and I gained something from it, but I also pay a karmic price for that. Mm. And, and I will, um, it, so, so it's not a good thing to be a sorcerer. Okay, it is a it is a very difficult path fraught with karmic peril because of the blowback to you personally for uh, doing certain actions. Mickey Mouse taught us this long time ago. Exactly. <laughs> Everything we, we, we need to know, we learned in kindergarten. Right. Uh, but um, but here within the within the metempsychoses um, in that state. Uh, where you're doing the moat meditation uh, and you actually cross over, you are not bound uh, by the process that the soul will be going through when you actually exit in a, via death. Mm. And so, so there's a freedom of movement within there that is based on how much energy one has as a meditator. Yeah. And and the ability to maintain that energy as well as to maintain the Shoshona, the silver thread back to your own yeah. uh, body for your consciousness. And if you don't do that, it's a um, you don't recover. And so, you know, the the yogis have the tradition of, of blessing the 10,000 who died before us. And the 10,000 is simply a number. Yeah. It could be 100,000 people that tried this and, and didn't come back. Um uh, yeah, because any kind of navel string is meant to sustain you. So if that cord is cut, then you, exactly. you're not getting the sustain, then you dissolve. Exactly. And it's a very ugly process because there is no cohesive separation of the soul with the I-ness at that time. Each is separately going to have to wend its way out of the materium mm -hmm. before it gets together again. And it will get together again, but as I say, it's not a particularly um, a nice period of time. Okay. But when you're when you're not there due to death, and you have energy from having been a meditator um, and storing up the energy, compressing the ball, as they say, then uh, you have the freedom to sort of like fly around and see what's happening. And um, it confirmed to me uh, the. Um, information that I had been given uh, as a result of having had experiences where I was presented with my own Inus in sort of like the other side of this, which is the enlightenment process. Enlightenment is thought of as a, uh, at least in Western tradition, as the big flash of light, and then that's it. You're an enlightened being, and you know you can turn wine to water, uh, or water to wine, all of this sort of thing. Okay, so you, th you think that the paranormal abilities uh, automatically follows illumination? Um, 
not automatically. There are for some people that intuition brings those along with them. In the Patanjali uh, book, you'll notice at the very end, they talk about, uh, I think it's in the very end of chapter, the cities, correct, that you, that which you bring with you into your your uh, new life. And many people, they, they even point out, some people are born with uh, yogic abilities and mm. seemingly and seemingly that would contradict the idea of yoga where it is an earned response. Well, they can have attained it in a formal life. Right. Correct. Exactly. That's precisely what's going on. It's and in they the have, template of the soul. And there's karma that says they've got to deal with it mm. at that level. Right. So, so you know, so, um, uh, so the whole thing is just—it's very tricky. I mean, it's very, very difficult to navigate this. And um, it, now I, and now having gone through all of this and being of an advanced, more advanced age, I'm aware of the uh, constant. Um, uh, repetition of the story that we all see of crossing the river of death, crossing the river of the river sticks and, you know, retrieving the Hercules kind of thing Mm. and coming back, you know, the spiritual journey that is at the root of all of the stories and most of the stories out of Hollywood. All the ancient myths, let's stick to them because they are purer. Yeah, exactly. And most of the stories that are propelling people to examine uh, ancient mystery schools. And but the whole point is that these are all descriptions of this process of having uh, gone and done the exploration, mm. and that's how the that's how the Taoist conceive of it. It is exploring the other side here. Mm. Now, there are there are practical reasons to do so even in this life because it provides the um, uh, sure and certain knowledge yeah. that religion is only a hint of, mm. and if you've had experiences where you. You've seen, um, and I use the word advisedly, uh, your other selves. Okay, so… Yeah, we have to go back also at some point to define all these uh, different selves you talked about. So, right. So, so here's the thing. Okay. Uh, karma is, we really need to delve into it now okay. because we have, we have the various minds. Uh, you have a body mind that is the, the uh, connection into the soul. You have a desire mind, which is thought to operate from the blood. And the desire mind is mostly affecting men, um, more completely and and uh, occupies more of their time than women, and then they have the feeling mind, which is the reverse. Yeah. It occupies uh, women more than it does men, mm-hmm. and and then you have the reason and and rightness, and then you have knowing and thinking. But you also have uh, because it is necessary uh, within the nature of karma in universe that a human being be a complete being and progress uh, in its progress upward, so to yeah. speak. Uh, it, it is necessary. You have to balance all these uh, selves, right? Correct. Well, no, those are minds. minds. Now we're going to get into. Now we're going to get into the self. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So I have myself. And and myself has connections to these minds, but I alone, my sense of I-ness is um, in this life joined to this self. But in some in my next life, that sense of I-ness will still exist, but it won't be joined to a body created by the soul that created this body. Okay, that's that's what many people refer to as an ego or a personality. Well, okay, I'm I'm not talking about the personality that only exists in this this yeah. realm. It is that's okay, temporary. But, follows your incarnation. Right. 
Okay, so what I'm talking about here is that there are, every human being has six male and six female um, incarnations in a complete cycle. Mm. And so, and they alternate. So I was born, this Inus was born male in this body, this life. But it doesn't have to be every cycle. You, you don't go from male, female, male, female, male, female, like that, right? Uh, mostly you do the, the mostly you don't have to. And, but mostly, uh, that, that is indeed the case. That's, that's disputed by, um, some of the research into uh, children's uh, who remember the past lives. M you know, many of them are shocked uh, by the death. They often have uh, an abrupt death. And that's why, uh, I mean, yes, you can remember your former life if you're an illuminated master, right? Because you've gone to the level. No, where... no, no, I don't, I dispute that. Okay, I would really so because because yeah. I'm thinking because the psychologists think that the reason we're afraid of death is because of the shock of being born, but I'm thinking that the shock of death can traumatize you so that you do You're remember. You're correct. You're correct. Okay, those and, 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 and most of the children they have researched were, had the same gender. And that is surprising. Yeah, correct. Okay, but see, this is this is part of the um, the exception proves the rule. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I have to say also that uh, uh, they got the feeling. The researcher I talked with said that he got the feeling that uh, the reason they were thrown back so fast because it was, uh, I think it was everybody was uh, within a um, time period of two years. That was that they hadn't got to complete their incarnation and so they were, and that may explain why they're coming back as the same gender because they had a task Correct. as that gender so that can substantiate your claim nonetheless right and they have and they have a, a karma that means that they've got to deal with that something that was able to or not able to be presented to them a true accidental death if you will mm. usually usually when you find that this is the case the memories will fade on these children about uh between the ages six and eight yeah that's what they found yep okay and in in addition to that uh you'll find that they are geographically reasonably close to yep. where where they were exactly and that they're also culturally in, in a similar position and that the body has the same, basically the same template uh, in their most recent life. Yeah, and they, yeah, they look like. But these okay. were really the freak exception. So you're saying we can reincarnate in, in huge areas, uh, different continents. Uh. Sure, sure, sure. But here's, here's something else to note about the, the children there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, let's look at reincarnation in the metempsychoses. In the metempsychoses, the soul goes off to hell. You go into heaven, but there's a time period that before the next life that's called the deep sleep or the or the big rest. And we say rest in peace, right? Yeah. And during during that period of time, you get you, you get energized, you get charged because life is very difficult in the materium. Now these these children that have been reborn. Um, uh, died young as a rule. Mm. They did not have very extensive lives because the more you do in this reality, the longer your deep sleep is, your rest period is in the metempsychoses. So, you know, the more energy you've accumulated, the more karmic uh, boundaries. So in this regard, I would dispute that Hitler has even been reborn yet. And it might be many, many, many cycles before he's reborn simply because of the amount of energy that was focused on him during and after his life. So 
world leaders are actually making a huge cosmic uh, trap for themselves. It goes even beyond that. It's deeper. You remember the issue of Obama going to look at the uh, statuary in Egypt that seemed to show his face? Yeah. Okay, they think that that is indeed the case, that they, that, and they're looking for examples of themselves in previous lives. Mm. And it is this war, war across time that's going on. The Templars, when the Templars were assaulted and killed by the Pope uh, and the King of France at that time, they chose the most horrific ways they could think of to do so because they wanted that death shock mm. uh, to uh, incinerate, and that's why they burned them, mm. incinerate the soul and shock it so much. They did not want these people being reborn within just a couple of thousand years. They wanted them to be reborn 10, 20, or 30, or 40,000 years exactly. out so, so that they would not have to deal with them exactly. in, in their future plans. So, so see, it's all very cohesive. And still you're in favor of uh, cremation, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> No, no. Okay. Cremation. But see, uh, cremation is necessary because as long as the body exists in the materium, you hold the soul hostage in its hell. So mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion, take your pain, deal with it and burn the body. But I'm not saying burn the body alive because right, of the right. burning, burning process that they used on the, uh, the Templars was intended to damage consciousness yep. in its connection to the soul such that it took a long time for these individuals to repair. There's a lot of difference there between that and cremating the body yeah, 12 or, or 24 hours later. Right mm. now. And also you needn't cremate the body. The the Hindus put the body out to be eaten by the birds and the body is basically consumed. Now we're talking. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. And that's basically consumed within a week or two. And so that's plenty of, uh, that's a very short enough period of time. It's not rotting in the ground for 80 or 90 years. Well, because you of, say birds, I say maggots. I mean. Whatever, whatever. Right, right. The yeah. natural processes. And it, and it, usually it's the, the verbiage is to commit the soul to the crow, mm. um, you know, and they, they put the body up on a platform and just let universe have at it. And you recirculate your energy as it will happen anyway. No atom ever uh, dies, so to speak. Everything Correct. is recirculated Correct. in this economic universe. And you, do, and you don't own any of these atoms anyway. No. no, and I have to add also that within, they say, within seven years, every single atom in your body has changed. Now, obviously, it doesn't happen like a matrix glitch and then you get a new body. It's, it's little here and it's little there. But if materialists are listening to this, just think... Think about the consequences. If you are your body, if you are that matter, where the <laughs> heck were you eight years ago? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> who, exactly. Who was it? <laughs> right. Can the real persons please rise? No. So it's obvious that these are vehicles for something more. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I've been studying that for many, many years. And in philosophy, we have to explore all sorts of philosophies. So I've always had an open mind to every other paradigm, um, just because um, it's in the nature of uh, how you expand your own mind. If you're closing down to other paradigms, you're really just de delving, devolving into a sectarian dogmatism. And that's not evolution. You're, as we say, yeah, as we say in the computer business, you're eating your own consistency bias, your own uh, paradigm again. Yeah. Yeah. Or peeing your pants to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly so. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, but I, I never talk about on air something personal that I do for my own education because it's not for everyone. So uh, we don't do missionary stuff or anything. Okay. But uh, occasionally it comes through like this uh, little disagreement about death. Yeah. And in the Western tradition, uh, the body should dissolve naturally. But uh, I'm well aware of the Eastern and self annihilation thing. And that, I think, is one of the few philosophical differences, actually, out there, that you have uh, a majority who, today at least, who thinks that you should annihilate. And you have the other who thinks you should rather... Uh, quote unquote preserve the ego instead of or the self is better to say than than self annihilate and it's a very significant difference that's worth exploring I think sure yeah 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 um, yeah it's um it is interesting uh, but I'm still very unclear about the I versus yeah, sure. what okay the, so yeah okay so Iness is that sense of me as myself. But when I am born the next time around, the Inus will be in a female body and it will not recognize that there was any previous body that was not female, nor that there would be any subsequent body that was not female. And that Inus will be bound to that soul that creates that female body. That soul that creates that female body will take along from my current life the karmic uh, values that I share in common with my Inus as it rotates through these 12, um, templates. So, so in my, um, uh, my Inus in an, in an enlightenment ex experience, uh, okay. In the, in the enlightenment experience process, uh, many people will be present, find themselves presented with what they call their universal face. Um, this universal face for in that process it's basically uh you just are are in a in a vision in which you see yourself reflected back from all these different spheres that are infinitely um uh regressing away from your field of vision i was shocked to see that that my universal face looks a lot like my current face mm. you would expect that there would be you know if it was a little bit more random so to speak you would expect that that you'd be uh you know tall in one life you know red-headed and so on have hair and be female and so so on it doesn't exist that way for the inus as long as it is bound to the soul. And so should the, should I have another enlightenment experience in my next incarnation in this Inus's next incarnation, it will be, uh, that, that experience would have that female being presented with, with the um, universal face of that particular female combination with that particular soul mm. and the soul. So, so the reason that this is necessary is that, um, because humanity, because as humans, we are more than gender. We're gender independent, so to speak, right? Even though in any given body, gender dominates and forms uh, all different kinds of um, attachments to us and so on. We are, we are basically gender independent or not androgynous or anything. We're both male and female mm. equally. And in the progress of being a human, it's necessary that we bring with us the um, intuition that each gender can accumulate in a different way and in a different 
uh, level of um, uh, nuance yeah. uh, than the uh, than the other gender. So I would be a very poor being if I only incarnated as male because I would only really understand desire mind and the aggression that those hormones can produce. Yeah, yeah. I recommend people study and meditate on the myth of Eros and Psyche because you have uh, the, the fact that we are hermaphrodites. Like you say, we're both, we're not neither. Yeah. Um, is described very beautifully in that myth. And even in Freemasonry, okay, because mm. Freemason, Freemasonry has as its core the idea that we're all progressing to where an individual will have two spines and be both male and female. Oh, interesting. Okay, and thus the Boaz and Yaquim, yeah. the, two, the two pillars of uh, masonry. Um, and like I say, I'm not a mason. I'll always make a statement. I've never joined any lodge, <laughs> but I know of their traditions at a level that most of them do not. And I certainly know the practices of the craft hmm. with, a, with a big C – uh, that uh, they don't even practice anymore. So no, no, but it's. I mean, that's fair enough. Any educated person yeah. should study the ancient traditions because originally there was something in that tradition that they brought out that was suppressed and that the Catholics tried to smash. And that's the story also of the Templars. So we would uh, expect you to, you know, know about these things. Right. Uh, and and also let's 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 delve into the Templars, and I'll I'll be very yeah. forthcoming here. Okay. Okay. Uh, through my mother's DNA, this body has an, has in this life has an association with the Templars that is very deep. Okay. Wow. Through my mother's through my mother's DNA, so through my lineage by way of my mother. Which country? Uh, Portugal and France. Okay. Uh, th near Rouen in France. Okay. Mm. Uh, my mother's people were of the persecuted Cathars. They were the persecuted. Nice. Uh, uh, people of the Templars, and they fled France during that period of time and ended up in the first in Portugal and then to the Azores and then to the Caribbean. Mm. So my, my lineage goes back to the pirates of the Caribbean. And, <laughs> and, I kid you not. I, no, I no, kid no, you no. not. I know. Okay. People think pirates were a ragtag bunch of idiots. No, no. They were more like we say pirate today like internet pirate they were real uh, libertarians freedom fighters many of them they were correct uh, they had to escape from the rigged structures right and the and, and the, the jolly roger is the same that they use in masonry by the way and and the thing about the templars is that they were uh had a huge sea fleet uh yep. had a huge number of ships yep. and the and the people that that became uh, pirates Exactly. They took those ships and they left. And so, so I've got relatives that are in Portugal. I've got relatives that are in the Azores. I've got relatives scattered throughout the Caribbean. And we all share this lineage going all the way back to the Templars. Now, here's the thing about reincarnation. I don't necessarily, I figure because of my, I'm actually calculating that because of my presence, if you will, the amount of energy that I've been able to generate in this life with the new media of the internet and et cetera, that I will have a very long sleep. Okay, mm -hmm. I will have a very long rest in my next metempsychosis, and so I'm I'm not actually planning on reincarnating in necessarily even in the next cycle. Mm -hmm. Even though we're going to be going into the Silver Age in this next cycle, uh, we'll we'll start hitting the not, um, not the new Golden Age. No, no, that's that's a uh, the new Golden Age is beyond the Silver Age. These are are yeah, but, uh, but defend, no, but if we're in the Kali Yuga now. 
then the next step would be the golden age, wouldn't it? No, no, like no. We, it's a reboot. It, you you work your way up, so it's so it's gold, silver, um, bronze, iron, bronze, silver, gold. Oh, like that. So you agree we are in the iron age, but we have to go back the same route. Sure, correct, correct, exactly okay. so. And, it, and we're sixty five years away from making the transition from the iron age into the sil- into or from the bronze age into the silver age. We're, we're not. We're not actually okay, in people. The- yeah, sorry, people who listen now, go and check out our program that's called Human Prehistory According to Esoterica. It, it's not out now when I speak with you, Cliff, but it will be out when this program here is released, so they can find it. We go very deeply into these ages and these cycles there. Okay, just just to get the more knowledge about what we're talking sure. about. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, in sixty-five years, we're actually heading out of uh, the Bronze Age that we're in now. Um, in to uh, the Silver Age, and it's going to be fantastic. It's good, but I'm I'm probably going to miss it. Uh, I, I'll come back in the in the Golden Age, and I'm certain I'm pretty certain of that. But usually, okay, so uh, these Taoists that I know that have some acumen, and they're very uh, one guy's very old and has been doing this all of his life, and he's uh, coincidentally he's Mongolian. But uh, they these guys are of the opinion that. Uh, that there's a mathematics, if we could only understand the the uh, variables within the formula, you could calculate how many thousands of years mm. would be necessary to sleep in order to recover from the energies that would be uh, released in certain acts in the car. Then you can identify former lives too. No. With that formula. Uh, you could identify when you might ex- have existed in the past, but not details. You don't, you, it's necessary that you not remember. Mm. It's necessary that you have no flippin' clue about what you were doing then. Now, uh, okay, so let's, let's talk specifics. I have an affinity uh, for a specific period in ancient Rome. Does that mean I lived during that period of time? Perhaps. Okay, I have an affinity that has drawn uh, to me certain ancient coins and other things with, within, in an unbidden fashion uh, over my life. Hang on just yeah. a second here. That guy is looking a little serious. I'll, I'll be right back. Hang on just a second. Yep. Sorry about that. Pigments of his imagination. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, so, so you have certain things about certain periods of time, these cycles and so on that are... Hang on, this doesn't work. I, I suggest we take a break, uh, just five minutes. Sure, sure. Let me go see what yep. the dog, dog, and I'll get some coffee. It'll be perfect. Yep. And we'll soon be back. Okay. Be right with you. Yep. 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 All of our files are free. And will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. And welcome back to part two of this roller coaster we're having with Cliff High today. And we you were abruptly we were abruptly interrupted here at the end of part one. So I, I think we just throw ourselves at the link we were at. If you remember, if you can just sure. continue your reasoning. Yeah, okay. So uh I have an affinity in this body, in this life, for a particular age. 
uh, that I can identify in the what we would think of as ancient Rome. And throughout my life, experiences, especially as a child in Europe, uh, an American child in Europe, basically being drug around all over the place, certain things, if you will, accumulated to me uh, without my having any desire or attachment for them. And they were all of a particular pattern and of a particular age and all related back to a particular time in ancient Rome. I suspect that that is because of my previous life, my previous incarnation was in ancient Rome. I don't, for instance... And you mean the immediate previous to this life? Correct. To, to this Inus in this soul as a male. Okay, so mm. I may have been born in the Middle Ages. I may have lived in the 1800s in another, uh, in my Inus, but it, in attached to one of the other souls that that Inus uh, operates within. Uh, because you, in my in my understanding, it's most usual to do male, female, male, female, and alternate around. It does not necessarily have to happen that way. But also, as an aside, let's uh, let's put to rest here a question that does arise, and that I've had to experience before, and that is, how does this uh, deal with the idea of uh, transgenderism? Those individuals that feel themselves to be male or female, absent or, or in opposition to the current body. Okay, but don't spend too much time on that. No, no, I was just, so just going yep. right, to say that the reason that that occurs has to do with a, a if you will, a, a, a blending or a flowing of energies from their next life. Oh, so it's not a residue from the former. Correct. But an anticipation of the next Correct. The bleed through of the future coming in. So in their next life, they may find themselves, you know, uh, or they're preparing in essence for their next life is one way to think about it at a soul level. Mm. And that bleeds over into their consciousness in this life. And that the issue is not that they are uh, indeed uh, another gender in their current body. Uh, trapped, you know, a female trapped in a male body and so forth is it, what they need, in my opinion, is to do um, uh, mental or meditation exercises and get their mind right and things will sort themselves out for this life and the next life. Yeah, of course, it will produce hormones to a certain degree, how the mind Correct. is. Correct. Well, there's, okay, there's something that we need to address. And that is that our, our connection to our body is so strong and and that our desire mind and our feeling mind are 100% driven by hormones. So it's said by the, the yogis and the Taoists that desire lives in the blood and feeling lives in the nerves. Mm -hmm. And this is true. Now, both of, the, both of the male and female bodies derive their hormones from the same place, which is the pancreas. It is the pancreas at which point consciousness attaches itself to a body. So my big joke, by the way, of our current milieu is that there's two guys. There's a young bodybuilder who's brain dead and dying. And there's a rich old guy who is going to have his head transferred to the bodybuilder's body and is going to wake up with all of his, all of his richness, all of his wealth, and the bodybuilder's uh, young body. And so they go ahead, they do the operation, and the uh, bodybuilder wakes up with the, the head of the old guy, and the bodybuilder body says, oops, 
I'm not the old rich bastard. I'm the bodybuilder. Consciousness exists at the pancreas, not in the mind. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> so there has been speculation throughout history what uh, gland or, or part of the body that can be mostly identified with the quote-unquote soul. And um, one has suggested several things like the hypophysis. What do you say in English? You say the... The hypothalamus? Yeah, the... Um, but there's, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but they're all related to the vagus nerve and that complex of uh, a very sophisticated nerve complex uh, that exists outside of our spine. It is as though the vagus nerve was grafted onto primates and it gave us consciousness. And vagus nerve connects with the glands in the brain, the pineal gland, the pituitary, it connects yeah. with the glands in the throat, all the way through the major organ system. Pituitary. Uh, we call that hypophysis, and then there's the epiphysis, and and they they are important for the mind, but they are not the real seat of the. No, and the and it is the fan shaped uh, aspect of the uh, pancreas, the where this where the seat of consciousness actually connects to the body. So when you come back from these journeys, when the the explorer goes um, uh, a wandering and he comes back to the body, you don't come back to your brain. You're mm -hmm. you actually find yourself that the Shoshona connects to the to the pancreas. It comes down next to the spine. And then once you're back uh, firmly seated in the pancreas, then your mind returns to you and the brain. And so this is another fallacy of the materialists who believe that you can transfer consciousness to machines and, and uh, create <laughs> yes. artificial consciousness. Hey, hey, it's like, even yes. here, even this basic step, they got wrong. They they get all that wrong, and it's like, uh, more power to them. I'm good, glad you're wasting your energy out there because you're not doing anything to cause anybody else other other more harm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So so you, you all go and play. You Useful know. distraction. Exactly so, right. And you're not out in the road. You're not going to damage yourself. So, you know, and yeah. if there is damage, it'll only be to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I laugh at them and, and let them go on with their, their uh, thinking. And there's nothing you can do to discourage that thinking anyway. They're quite convinced about it, just yeah. as we all are about our opinions. Um, they have to learn. Right. Okay, so uh, getting back to the the reincarnation, the the ages, the cycles, and so on. The the point the point of all of that is that I don't, even though I may suspect that I was born in ancient Rome and lived a life there at least long enough that it it um and and had enough um energy in it that there was a big gap to my current life. Then uh, there's nothing that in my uh brain other than the ego that might come through from socialness uh, that would suggest that I could in any way suss out the details of that life. Mm. And, it is, and it is necessary that we not remember those details. But, but you could theoretically learn about it from without, you know, if you made an impact, maybe there's a biography about you and you could read correct, it. Correct, correct, correct. And that's, and that's, that's what these elitists are actually out there doing. Yeah. That's why, that's why Obama and all these people are traveling to all these ancient sites. And I'm aware of, okay, so, all right, a uh, quick little diversion. I'm aware of a major uh, subcontractor to the U.S. Uh, defense de um, industrial complex that has an ongoing project within one of its subcontractors. And what they're doing is they're digitizing uh, ancient 
uh, images of humans from all cultures that they can find, statuary, uh, boss relief, mm. uh, paintings, anything they can find that shows the human face. They're digitizing these and they're using facial recognition software. And the goal of it is to identify who these elitist, uh, elite, we the self-described elitist rulers were in previous lives. That, that's not the goal. That's the mean for what goal? That, exactly. I mean, so so they find out who they were. What's next? That's the goal. Okay. Well, there's. It's been part of. Okay. It's a tactic within this larger war through time, of which the Templars were the most uh, recent notable victims. Okay. Yeah, but let's say you're an elite and you find you identify potential former lives. What use is that information? Is it in order to control who you become next? Yes, yes, exactly so, exactly mm. so. Okay, that's what I suspected. It's attempt an attempt to game the system. It's an attempt to game karma. So uh, we may not have been rid of Rockefeller after all. Correct, correct. And these people will do, uh, there's, okay, now, so there's also yogic and um, Taoist many of them involving tantric practices, and that's where we get the tantric uh, sexual yoga, in, involved in attempting to game that system that has been practiced for many, many, many years. Uh, so, for instance, one of the tantric practices I'm aware of uh, that has been um, uh, supposedly refined over uh, time uh, has a male uh, doing um, uh, shen exercises, attempting to build up their sperm, so to speak, and their their whole uh, sexual energy at the very end of their life. And the goal is actually to find a woman who's ovulating and to die in the process of impregnating her. So that you can incarnate in that child? Correct, correct, correct. So that you can incarnate. That's a, that's a proverbial virgin sacrifice. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Hmm. And it's and it's a uh, and you know however misguided it might be the the uh, uh, consensus in certain circles is that it has been successful. This is what we call a left hand path, the black magic. Correct, and there's there there's karmic repercussions to this. All right, mm. and so because the uh, attempt to game the system for the uh, purpose of of uh, pre-planning a life in the materium is in opposition to the point of the materium and the progress of human life. The point is to be oblivious. No, the point is to progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but through uh, that is an imperative element that you don't know. And this goes against uh, – because I had reserved one of the questions I have for the end here. I can take now because you're already touching upon it. Yeah, sure. Many traditions say that, yes, we reincarnate, but – we are trapped in the wheel and we can't control the karma. We may end up wherever. And that's a goal in many traditions to try to attain a, a way to maneuver the reincarnation process. In fact, some go as far as to say that for all intents and purposes, you don't reincarnate because you will be gone. You don't remember, blah, blah, blah. Take Gurdjieff. He's a good example. He said yeah. that... You have to build a body that can you can use as a vehicle in the death process. And this has many different words in different traditions. In in the tradition you're very familiar with, the uh, Tibetan Eastern, they call it the diamond body. 
Correct. In the ancient Greek, they call it Augoedus, which is the, I think, means the fire body. But anyway, so there's different uh, allegations of how you can do this in Gurdjieff's system. It was very important to remember yourself, remember yourself. They did it all the time. Because if you do remember, if you go into this state, this higher state of self-realization at the moment, then you can do this also in the death process, as you would know if you've done lucid dreaming, it's kind of the same thing going on there. It's just a minor version of it, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So then my question to you would be, do you agree or are you against the ability to attain a control over the reincarnation process, be it through remembering yourself, be it through creating an energetic body for yourself to use as a vehicle, etc.? I would I would uh, acknowledge that the skill can be developed and the uh, short term goal is is obtainable, uh, not by the remembrance of yourself because of the nature of the the memory being tied to the individual body that that soul is created and thus the nature of intuition being this like distilled essence that's carried from life to life mm. without any of the details okay so the remembrance is a is a path that does not yield the results thereafter the building of the energetic body is part of that process whereby these people at its ultimate end would do the uh, impregnation of the woman and then die in the process right mm. uh, okay so because they would have built their energetic body and they would be transferring it uh, through into that they're basically trying to transfer their soul in the process of uh, sexual intercourse and and it is uh, acknowledged to be feasible and has yielded some level of results, but I suspect that the uh, goal itself is unworthy. Now, I say, state that... So it's, it's one of the bad cities that's warned against correct. from many masters. Correct. That there's a karmic repercussion to it. You may need to do it mm. uh, to accomplish something, but at some point you have to give up that attachment. The price is too high. Uh, the price you and you will continue to pay it life after life after life until that attachment is given away from uh, attempting to control it. Although there is appears to be very flexible, universe is flexible about how long you might be able to make that process happen. So it's very much like Gollum, right? Yeah. The more you hold on to the ring, the more distorted you become. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice and pleasurable, but the act the actual uh, ultimate freedom uh, is of uh, denying the ownership of it and just letting it go. But why why bother awakening being a mystic at all if you can just you know throw yourself at the mercy of the wheels, uh, oblivious, ignorant? Uh, why not just let the course? Uh, take its passage because okay, I mean in Anna, alchemy, Anna. alchemy is interesting here because alchemy says that warns against uh, tampering with nature. You shouldn't cross, you know, different kind of substances that are not meant to, yeah, like um, making creatures out of different kind of species and stuff. But what alchemy does is not because that's the a perversion of nature, and that's what modern is happening today in modern science. But alchemy is different. Alchemy says. We can help nature. We can accelerate the natural process that's already happening. In other words, if it takes uh, several seasons to accomplish, let's say, a simple task, uh, transmute a plant, uh, make the plant more effective and more potent and more 
mature, it's reached its goal stage, then you can help it accelerate through imitating nature. And alchemy would be that acceleration of that process. In other words, you respect the boundaries set by nature. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't tamper with them. But you, on the other hand, you don't just sit back and do nothing. You actually uh, help help nature. Is right, the best. right. And in, in my experience in, my, in this life, I would characterize that entire uh, description as being harmonious. Right. Okay. So, so you want to be harmonious, and if it is possible in that harmony to uh, accelerate the process, then you would do so. But you would first examine if that acceleration was um, worthwhile mm. and would have the kind of uh, wouldn't have uh, the kind of karmic blowback that you don't want to get involved with. Right. But so harmony is important. Um, progress is important, and um, we are driven by. Um, the desire and feeling uh, minds that we have, which are greatly influenced by the karma that we bring. And so you, humans will find themselves in, in each and every life, but let's just talk about this life. They will find themselves in this life with um, urges, goals, uh, um, ambitions that they feel compelled uh, to pursue without necessarily uh, even recognizing or acknowledging as to whether or not those goals are worthwhile. But we, we feel uh, urged to uh, act. So um, I find myself trapped that way. So I'm urged to act because of the um, nature of who I am and this particular life. Uh, I've taken certain, uh, I've taken actions that are entirely as a result of uh, uh, personal pressures and even even knowing that they're going to result in huge amounts of karma i could not stop myself from doing it because i must do it as part of that karmic uh impetus mm -hmm. impelled by karma so so basically it is um you can deny your your destiny you can face your destiny or you can live your destiny mm -hmm. uh Okay, and uh, they all have karmic consequences. So now you can fuck I, up your destiny. <laughs> well, that that by by facing it, that's that's what we mean. You can face oh, okay. it and decide to decide what you want to do with it. It's sort of an yes, you can do it badly. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> but um, but destiny will out. Universe will present you with these opportunities uh, to live out that destiny in spite of how you may feel in this particular life or at any given time in this particular life. Right. So, so it, you know, the, the karmic um, aspect of it, it's also um, integrated that uh, the, the real, I think the real benefit of doing meditation and uh, the kind of yogic and Taoic practices that are existent is to uh, recognize yourself to become consciousness to become aware of being conscious about the processes in which you are participating mm -hmm. even if you don't understand them necessarily just being aware that they exist give you a level of um, uh, practical uh, knowledge uh, that you can apply in this life for your benefit and others bear in mind that the the um, affirmation, the aphorism is for the Bodhi, uh, uh, for Bodhidharma, for the, for the Buddhas that, uh, are Bodhisattvas and the, and the aphorism is I seek enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. Mm. And that's, that's just the, you know, the, yeah. the appropriate way.
Yeah, and, and, and the story of the avatars and the adepts is that they often, they, they reach a level where they get a choice and many of them choose to move on. Some choose to sacrifice the ability to move on, on up to the next level just to come back and help humanity. Like in the story of, I think, both Christ, Yoshua ben Yusuf and Siddhartha Gautama, known as the Buddha. Yeah. So obviously it means that uh, you can, because we're all in the same boat, and we can maybe get to the discussion if we have a collective kind of soul or something, because if we're all in the same boat, I would earn on helping the, I mean, no chain is stronger than the weakest link. So it would be in our interest to get the idiots among us up. <laughs> so they stop yes, pulling yes, us yes. down, if you see what I mean. <laughs> right. I certainly, I certainly do. That's kind of what's going on in the story of the avatars. Right, right. And in fact, you see, um, even in more recent things with, uh, the yogic, uh, Christ, you know, Baba G, right? And he was, he was supposedly tricked by his sister, although he admits that he knew of the trick in advance. But he was gonna go on. He was gonna commit himself to the stream. Uh, you know, he was going to dive into the stream, uh, basically allow the um, universe to obliterate his body and go on as consciousness. And his, and he said, you know, that it was time for him to do it. And he told his sister this and, um, you know, said that after, and then she said, but, you know, in your own words, there's no difference between uh, life and death and entering the stream and being alive. And he, he was led through this uh, logical sequence to where she basically said, so then uh, stay and, mm. and don't, don't go, stay for the benefit of humanity. Mm. And so he said, okay, I'll stay through this sun cycle. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so, so he's theoretically still with us 1,800 years later, walking among us and, and doing what he can for, for the less aware of us. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, um, the destiny aspect of it is very interesting. And uh, some people find themselves unable to explain why certain things occur to them, uh, you know, happenstance. And it is, uh, in my understanding, it is universe attempting to place those stairs in front of them that will lead them to that landing where they can face that next challenge. And and that's basically where we are, is we're in an education system yep. that we can enjoy, and but it's all self-education, it's not schooling, and you, you basically have to watch out for everybody else's impression in here, because we're all batshit crazy by being in the materium, and we're not in our right minds. We're in a very much reduced state mm -hmm. that, is, that is influenced by hormones and doesn't think appropriately most times. Let me give a reference here too, by the way, yep. if you wanted an incredible detailed, um, understanding of the various different kinds of the self, the I-ness, the soul, the progression of humanity and all of this, one only needs read a book called thinking and destiny by Harold Percival. And there's a free PDF online. Just look up thinking and destiny by Harold Percival. It was written in 1953 and it is as dense in, and concise and precise as uh, Patanjali's book, although this is much more voluminous and was written in English. It's about 1,080 pages. Uh, I've been reading it uh, for a number of years, although I've read through it mm -hmm. completely a number of times. As soon as I get done reading it, I start it over again because there's so much in there that can be uh, picked up. Yeah, one of those kind of books. Exactly. I wish you had written a book or two because then we could have 
you know, plug that instead of all the other books we're mentioning today. <laughs> you're, you're one of a rare <laughs> guest where we don't have on the agenda to actually make attention for your book because you haven't written about this stuff. Right. And as I, far as I know. And I don't think I will because there's a better examples and it's sort of a waste of my time mm. and my destiny calls me elsewhere. Right. The way I work is the universe provides the support for me. If it doesn't provide support in a particular way, I move on to something that is, is it, it does support. So I'm not particularly worried about that. Right. Ah, go with the flow, even at the cosmic level. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Cliff, I have many, many questions that will uh, change gears, as you guys say. Sure. Uh, and just expand if it's even possible to expand the perspective we have. I think it is. Uh, so, but I also have uh, the first question is from stuff you've been saying. Oh, sure. Most people would think that if we're alone uh, in the so-called heaven, it's actually hell because isolation, you know, not being able to love or be loved would many would think that would be hell. How, how do you square this? There's Okay. There's no uh, prohibition in being uh, loved. And it, that is the feeling in heaven is the all-embracing uh, uh, adoration and love that universe provides us. Yeah, the agape, the cosmic love. But but what exactly. about your loved ones? Uh, like, you, like the whole reason you went into the afterlife was because of the love for your brother. Correct. Uh, that is transitory. Okay. That um, uh, is personal. That is going to be within this body's right. death, within its within its metempsychoses, that will be resurrected in my heaven. I won't lose that, but it is particular to this body, this soul, this life. And so in my next life, if I don't reincarnate uh, near to or within the sphere of my brother, then I won't have that association. So it is something I treasure out of this life and its impact on me in future lives will come through in my intuition and in my feelings. It will be part of my feeling body that will express in future lives, even though there is no uh, hint nor promise that uh, in his future life, he will be um, even... Um, uh, even in the same age, even in the same thousand years as my next incarnation. There's absolutely no guarantee of all of that. But in, in, the, in compensation for that, my experience in this body's heaven is perpetual. So I'll never, ever, ever lose that. Mm -hmm. I will have it forever, and it's in its most pristine and pure form, unsullied, untainted, and never to be taken away. So that's a compensation that I find to be uh, more than adequate for the brief aspect of temporality that will be absent from that relationship. Hmm. And so the next time that, that, that my body reincarnates in some future age, say it's a thousand years from now, uh, and it goes through that life and it dies, when, when I, in that next future metempsychoses, go into that heaven again, there will be those feelings, those experiences, those memories with the brother from this life, as well as all of my siblings and those people that were close to me from all of my past lives. Mm. So those all exist in heaven, 
in that state that we call heaven or paradise uh, within the metempsychosis. Oh, so we're touching base in a neutral space, not a space, but beyond time and space. Correct, correct. And so we would be able to hook up with anyone at that level. Correct. Because it's outside of time. And it's perpetual, correct. And there's no discrimination. There's no need to worry about. See, if you had memories right now of your previous life, the memories can be so strong, especially as we age, we find that uh, memories become more strong than uh, what happened today. So something that happened 30 years ago is burned better into your your mind than something that happened yesterday. And so you can mm. sometimes come to a stop when you're you're just sort of like transfixed by a memory. Now, imagine that if you had memory of a previous life that you had to integrate. You'd never get anything done. You'd be no. a basket case. No one could ever proceed. Thus, thus, we find that those children that have strong reincarnation memories, as soon as the actions, as soon as the karma starts accumulating from them uh, becoming aware of those previous memories, the memories are already starting to fade. Yeah, no, this is interesting because it, it they they don't yeah it's a distraction I agree but uh, in their case it seems that they are not moving on until because they attained to reunite them with former families mm -hmm. and before that happened they always said no you're not my mother you're not my father but after that happens they accept living with the quote unquote new family. Although they may maintain bonds, often bonds exist between a new and old family after they meet uh, and, and friendships and stuff. But then it's kind of, yeah, okay, now I accept I'm in this new family. Yes. So that makes sense. Yeah. And see, and so, so the, the, um, my understanding, uh, which is replic of, of all of this, which is replicated in all of these various different uh, schools of thought and in the book uh, Thinking and Destiny, uh, is cohesive. It's uh, accommodating for information I don't yet know. It's expandable and it's non-contradictory in spite of some seeming mm. contradictions because all the contradictions can be resolved. So it is possible for you to exert energy and for you to accumulate energy as the Taoist understood it, the cultivation of the energy of life, the, the Hui Ming Ching was a famous two-page book uh, that the Taoists have uh, revered for centuries that tells you how to accumulate energy and shove it into your Tan Dian, the Hara, the center at the, down near your pancreas that's uh, around your, in your abdomen, where you store all of this energy for when you die or for when you transit over the, the great waters. And once you have this energy, once you've uh, obtained that level of uh, compression of the energy, you're free to use it in these explorations. Mm -hmm. And that exploration can, can continue after uh, death of this life. You'll still have that energy and you can take it and do things in, the, uh, in your metempsychoses. And so naturally it occurs to humans to to try and game things oh it's like it's like it's like when you uh, in a game it's like starting over a game with freebies correct correct the mad getting the magic mushroom and getting the extra powers yeah, exactly yeah. no the the hell of it the hell of it is is that um one must work at a level that most humans will never ever attempt um 
uh, to obtain this energy. And the most humans won't attempt it because they think it's bullshit. They don't know they can achieve it. Or even if they knew they could achieve it, it's not worth it to them because they're going to die anyway and they don't see the point of it and so on. Yeah. Uh, but or, or is they're just too lazy. It's too much work. It's, it is, and it's a huge amount of work and it's a tremendous uh, devotion of your time to very strange practices that uh, involve isolation and all different other kinds of things. And most people are chasing money and uh, status and power and sex and all that stuff. So, so it's exactly it's not important. They're distracted by what the hormones of the desire mind and the feeling mind produce, mm. and uh, so they don't have that that greater um, uh, awareness that might allow them to put this energy towards a greater purpose. However, we note and we note that the lazy ass elites also don't do the work. You don't see a whole lot of Zen meditation going on in the. Exactly. I was thinking because I, I was thinking that when you talked about the uh, black practices, I was thinking I'm I'm gonna have to say to him at some point that I doubt that any of the elite are doing lifting one finger for to attain anything higher. What they may do though is to get experts in. That's what they do in all walks of life. That Correct. They do the work. It's even even more dark, but it's even more dark than that. Yeah. Okay, because okay. they get they get these twisted experts, and then they try and game the system even yeah. in the this life. So let's discuss something very horrible here, okay? The idea of sacrifice, is that where that comes from? Okay, that's exactly what it is, yeah. okay? And so and so we have among ourselves now uh, 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 a very visible um, heightened um, activity of pedophilia. Yeah. And, and pedophilia is an attempt at some um, ancient tradition level, is an attempt to steal energy exactly. from the young. And that that energy is unpolluted pure. by their by their hormones, um, and so the uh, theft of that energy is thought to bring new life, etc. Okay, we see mm-hmm. variants of this all throughout uh, our society. We see very rich individuals that have blood boys, where they get a transfusion every two weeks from from a teenager, and once that that person is eighteen years old, they cast them off and they get somebody else to provide the blood. Mm-hmm. We we see uh, vampirism is being uh, over history as people drinking the blood, attempting to do anything they can to game the system. And, and they would perhaps uh, express it as, you know, trying to live longer or whatever. But the true sorcerers know what the, the point is. The point is the accumulation of this energy uh, without the work. Yep. And nowadays, nowadays, we have an even more horrific thing called adrenochrome where uh, they are attempting to create um, – an energy source uh, from the from the traumatization yeah. of people in their life right up to their death, and then they harvest these uh, uh, very unique uh, hormones that are created uh, from the dying body. And this whole process is uh, abhorrent and uh, aberrant and deviant. Could it go on on a collective level? That's why they're waging all these wars all the time to, to Correct. make many people Correct. suffer. It's a, it's a, okay, well, to provide the basis population that's willing to be the suffering victim, so to speak, mm-hmm. okay, to, pro- to provide the support that has the, um, uh, uh, the population that's required 
for this to work. So, uh, but the adrenochrome is actually harvested from individuals that are tortured and then killed. Mm. And then it's, con it's concentrated. And then there's a whole mechanism for selling it into the world of the elite where they inject it. Um, there's, there's revelations now uh, that's called mainstream even that they may not even abduct or kidnap is uh, the actual word, kidnapping the kids. Yeah. Uh, that they now don't even have to do that, that they're breeding people in captivity for these purposes. I've, I've heard that as well. And it would not, would not surprise me because these individuals are um, uh, cheaters at a level where they're not willing to do the work and they're um, uh, not willing to pay the karmic price and take those risks. And they think, and so they, they're deluding themselves, taking this approach and thinking that there's no karmic repercussions for it. What they fail to understand uh, is, is, I mean, there's just tons of stuff they fail to grasp. They look at that as moral and religious gibberish, everything to do C with correct, ethics correct. and karma. But, but see, here's the, th here's the thing, too. So uh, recently we had a situation where here in the United States, and I'm going to make a couple of statements that will seem quite bizarre, mm -hmm. but here in the United States there was an attempt to do the black magic and work that black magic across the uh, social body in the form of the elections. And so the uh, Democrats are known that there was a cadre within that group that was doing spirit cooking, which is the consumption of these bodily fluids under certain circumstances from a with a, a magic perspective involved mm -hmm. okay now uh i did a video sometime back explaining why people think some people think spirit cooking works and i pointed out that there's magicians i thought it was just a weird artsy fartsy elite fashion thing but you think it's deeper? No. It's actually... A oh, no, no. No, I know it's deeper. It, okay. It's dark magic. Okay? Okay, okay. It was an attempt to, to practice the Luciferian kind of rituals at a mass level. They're attempting to get the spirit cooking all the way up to where it's accepted by the mainstream. The same way all of the weird Luciferian symbolisms in the um, halftime at the Super Bowl are projected out, right? They, they get power from this. But this is a, this is a ancient practice. Yeah, but, but much of that's, it's just, it's like the swastika. That's actually a pure and, and sacred symbol, but it's become twisted. If, if that's what you mean, I, I'm with you, because many of these symbols are not evil. Like a pentagram is actually a blessing symbol, if you look at, but then so-called Satanist, which is a modern invention, by the way, there's never been any Satanist on earth. Yeah. Then they are associated to it and people think it's bad. Is it that what, is that what you mean? No. Because I have no, yet to see an evil symbol. Okay, no, it's, see, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the symbology. I'm saying okay. that the spirit cooking process right. is, a, is a technique that extracts fluids unwillingly from uh, individuals, and those uh, fluids are thought to convey energy. Right. And so it, it is a technology that has been resurrected. And in fact, it was known to the Gnostics yeah. and was um, Hypatia probably was killed for her um, uh, uh, absolute rejection of all such technologies that were being... Oh, I'm so glad you said that because she's in my tradition and I, I know she's of the light. I thought you were going to say she did spirit cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. She was, she was killed. I mean, the... the exactly. 
the reason that they did that horrific killing to her was to attempt to send a message to everybody else that would mm-hmm. deny their ability of the church uh, to uh, practice this. And see, the churches in its public face, the drinking of the wine is blood, etc., right? The eating of the flesh. Yep. These are but abstractions of what they're actually doing in the back room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're a sanitized version of it. And we attempted to have, we, we, they attempted to do that here by getting uh, spirit cooking and they were going to cook the election, so to speak, right? They were going to cook the social milieu mm. of, of, of the whole planet this way. And I happen to be of the opinion that certain individuals of very great skill as sorcerers uh, became aware of this and thwarted them. Yeah. And I've heard uh, about that, the magic wars during the election. Right. And the, and the, the, there's a big difference between consulting wizards and warlocks and magicians and being in the presence of a sorcerer. Mm. So a sorcerer does not need the uh, tools of the blood. They can, it's sort of like the Darth Vader. They can make the blood boil in your veins without having to have a sample of it in their hand. Mm. Okay. It is only the wizards and the magicians and the uh, warlocks. They need a medium, a vehicle. Correct, mm. correct. They need something of the materium, whereas the other guy is called a sorcerer because they work with the source. source. They work at it yeah. as an energetic level, mm. right? And so, um, uh, you know, so so it is a very highly complex, convoluted world, and the uh, the best possible description one can get of that world that provides a self-referential, self-guiding um, uh, and self-healing. Uh, wide viewpoint will be more successful in my opinion. And that's why I favor this particular view that drills down on all of this. So I actually don't describe what we've been talking about as spiritual. Okay. The, the entire conversation we've had today is highly practical mm. and is a, is, is evolved around a yogic technique for practical stuff I know about. The spirit is something else entirely. And we haven't even really touched on that. That goes back to the consciousness aspect of it. What we're dealing with today in terms of this understanding is the uh, broader framework that the materium presents. And the materium, okay, so let's define universe here in the materium. Universe is the sum total of all human experience over all of time. Etymologically, it means one song. So that fits. Exactly, exactly. And, and so it is the song of humanity mm. over all of time. And so we are all able to participate in universe and all of our contributions to universe are exactly equal. Obama, Hitler, Stalin, FDR, Marilyn Monroe. Gandhi. Exactly. Nobody has a greater claim to um, uh, making universe, to participating in universe uh, than the least among us, than the mentally disabled, the, the halt, the lame, etc. And, and it can actually be argued that the far extremes of, of humanity, the greats and their, their delusions and the, uh, damaged and their suffering are at equal ends of a vast extreme. And we get as much from the suffering of someone trapped in a body with a damaged mind as we do from the greatest yeah. of the elites. Okay. In terms of the, let, let me quote the Siddhartha. You're a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. 
Correct. And to participate. And your, your participation is accepted by universe in the same way and at, without discrimination as everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it is truly uh, equal and uh, there's an equanimity there that as a, as a Aikidoist, I support. And so I think Aikido in, in the harmonization of mind and body and spirit uh, in this life defines that. And so in that sense, I'm very much like a um, um, Krishnamurti in, in terms of how I might approach things mm-hmm. there. Okay, so uh, that being the case, then an appropriate view, in my opinion, can go a long way towards getting oneself settled in this very chaotic area that we call the materium or that I call the materium. And the materium is just defined as the place, the seeming space in which matter occurs. Mm. And we, and we don't have a, um, a usually, usually in religion, they don't delve into what is universe and what is the soul and what is the materium and they don't necessarily even differentiate and so they would think that's that's what distinguishes it from esoterica because that's what you study in the esoteric fields correct correct now here's here's another aspect of that though let's get back to the gods real quick yep Okay, so there's there's about 12 or 1500 Christian gods right at the moment. The idea that Christianity is ubiquitous and is the same across the planet is bullshit. There's a Vietnamese Christ, there's a South Korean Christ, there's a, you know, Midwestern US Christ, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are there are many different uh Christ gods out there now. And to dispute that is to to not acknowledge the uh, differences that occur in the understanding of that um, system uh, among all of humans. But we know from existence, from our history, that gods rise and they die. Mm. Odin, Odin, as a god, it's like, well, sorry, dude, he's dead, you know? Are, are, they, are they like a collective uh, entities, energy beings that we Correct. create? energy. Correct, energy beings, and they are the same. So, so they are equivalent to what's in traditional Western esoterica is called egregora. People, you can look up that word. It's even reached Wikipedia. An egregore. Go on. Correct, and and uh, they are a grander version of that that is presented to channelers. So uh-huh. channelers, channelers are channeling random energies in space and time that have been able to find that opening into their brain and will feed them any lie they want in order to keep that opening there because the beings, the entity, the energy that goes through the channeler gains from that channeler uh, that momentary existence of life, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a diminuized version of the smells, the taste, and et cetera of life. It doesn't come through. Kind of a possession? Correct, very much so. And, but it's at a very low level. The trade-off is that they're willing to tell you any damn thing your mind wants to know, uh, all lies, just to be able to, to keep mm. into your mind and piggyback off of your sensation. Because there is no such thing as sensation after death. On the higher levels. No, you need to be tuned into the three-dimensional. Correct. Like, you need to have the, the body. unique existence of a human being. Right. You need the body in order to have the yeah. sensation. Yeah. 
Okay, and also, by the way, let's note that uh, there's only four senses for the body. The, all four senses are in the, in the head and protected by your cranium. The idea of the sensation of feeling, of touch, is, is your body reacting to the materium around it. It is not a sense. There is no sense organ there. there. It doesn't work the same way as the other senses where, for instance, you don't see light. You see the image that your eyes decode and present you. You have no feeling of light passing through your eyes and being decoded. You just have that end result. These are subsystems that provide your body with a, a complete image of taste, smell, and uh, of sight uh, and hearing without your having to participate in that process. And they're very complex and they're very well detailed in thinking and destiny as to how they arise and the various issues with them. But because that is the case, because the body is, is uh, in, in, in the main, the sensation of touch is um, okay. both illusion. Go ahead. Move on from that, uh, because if you go on, I'll have to disagree with you about touch, and we'll, right. we don't have that much time. <laughs> okay. So I'll just grant you that claim, and we'll... Okay, okay. Uh, Okay, but basically, let's just say that it's not a sense because there's no sense organ that can be associated with it at a physical level. Okay, let's say. Okay, okay so, so anyway, though, um, so in after death, there is no, uh, there's no sensation for the body of pain, right. and, there's, and there's no sensation of the body of pleasure, but there is the sensation of the mind's um, for the results of those. So the, the like fear and love. Correct. Correct. So in your heaven, if you need to want to explore previous, uh, episodes of fear or pain or whatever, then you're perfectly free to do so. And you can conjure those up. And so this is part of the process by which you're able to interact with those memories of people in that uh, may not exist anymore in your next life as you go forward. Right. Um, before we went to the, the very deep black thing about spirit cooking, we were yeah. discussing time. And I have a question for you about that. What do you say to the idea? Because if we incarnate in circumstances that fit what we karmically need to experience next on our steps upwards, who's to say it has to happen in a linear Away. So what about the idea that you can actually incarnate back and forth in time? The Taoists are, and the yogis always say, who is to decide what is previous? Yeah. Okay, so in other words, just because we call it our previous life, uh, it's an erroneous um, understanding in the linear world of a materium. There is no such... Um, uh, admonition or directive from universe that that my next life will be um, uh, in an advanced uh, 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 yearly calendar over this particular time. And so let's also examine something else. Uh, in my last life before the previous ice age, there was no time reckoning, no year reckoning as we would know it now. Just cycles, right? Correct. But I mean, so we would in, in our previous uh, lives in the prior to the last ice age, we might have said we were in the year 10,000 or the year 20,000 or the year two. <laughs> we would have no, no reference to the time we're in at this stage. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the concept of time across the uh, metempsychoses is at best a spurious understanding. But what is understood is the accumulation 
uh, is an accumulator, okay? And so I know that I'm progressing because my intuition gets better in every, or gets larger, greater, has greater depth in, in every subsequent incarnation I have, regardless of the presumed temporal mm. location of it. There's an image we can use because if we are touching base beyond time and space, then you can uh, look at uh, space time as a circle and the image would be the center. And so if you go back and forth to the center between each life, it's meaningless to talk about time because you'd. And which is previous, correct. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay. And, and kudos for keeping that answer pretty short and clean so we can move on to more questions. <laughs> Um, yeah. What about, because you said, and, and I agree, you said that we have the template is adjusted to our current human existence. In other words, oh, you yeah, can, yeah. cannot come back as a cat or a dog or whatever, or that your former life wouldn't have been one unless maybe we go very, very far back. But None the matter. If there's humans on other planets, which I, for one, think there is, and when I say humans, I mean human beings, like uh, similar to our species, that we can breed with without getting sterile outcome, then what's to say we can't incarnate on different planets, which is obviously a popular idea in the new age. So what do you think about that? I think it's certainly, um, I, I think it occurs I think that there's um, mechanisms that guide it the same way there are mechanisms that guide the reincarnation within this planet here. Um, those mechanisms are, are bound up with the idea of progress and that a human progresses from life to life to life, regardless of how long that may take. So if you're done with lessons on Earth, then you may move on. Correct. Because the ancient Correct. Master... If the karmic, If the karma can't be presented to you, to to learn and grow in this reality, then you've got to be mm. in some other reality for it to be presented. Yeah, that makes sense. But the ancient master Plotin, he claimed, he, he wrote uh, interesting stuff about death. And one of the things he said was that, um, yes, your body goes back to earth, your psyche goes to the moon, Right. Uh, that this is a little later. It's not a, a, exactly when the body, because the body needs some time to disintegrate. The same with the psyche and the spirit. Uh, and these are just translations of the words. Um, so it may not even be good enough words to explain what he's referring to, but that, that the spirit goes back to the sun. Hey, that makes sense. And if that is true, we're kind of bound to this solar system, for, at least for the time being. And it would also explain why there seems to be some kind of, um, um, at the end, at a horizon, would you say? Um, not the horizon, but the end. The, uh, there's a membrane. At, uh, sure, sure. At the at the edge of the universe, or at the edge of the solar at system. At the brim. Yeah, yeah, the edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's a not the universe. Uh, now I'm talking about the solar no, the system. Solar, solar system, yeah. right? Right. There's a there's that we a, can't uh, pass, just like the Van Allen belt on Earth, kind of. Correct. Correct. And we know that this is the case now because the Voyager spacecrafts are stuck in it, mm. and they can hear it. Okay, so the the yogic tradition has it as being when you've heard and said 
all of the words that can be encompassed by our sound. So basically the ability to, to have a word be vocalized when you've, when you've heard and said all the words, uh, that can be, uh, bound by sound, then you are sent to the next area. So, um, so the idea, no, no point being in a rush here. We are talking huge time. Correct. 82 million lives just to get to be a human. Okay. So, so, and many, many people. All right. So I always, I always joke that I got stuck as a dog. And, and so I kid, I kid you not. There are, uh, there are indications of this in the sense that, uh, I've never met a dog that didn't like me and I've never met a dog I didn't like, and that I've, I've been able to speak dog all my life. And it is, is and I've been in exact thing with cats. <laughs> okay. And see, and see when I was, when I was very small in Alaska, yeah. we went on out and, uh, my father bought a dog for us, right? A used nice. dog at a used dog lot. So our, my first dog was a used sled dog. She was three years old, but there was this, um, uh, situation that occurred when we went to the used dog lot where there was basically a near riot among uh, about a hundred of these dogs that were for sale, all attempting to get at me. And I was like maybe mm, 11 months, something like that. And they were, they were not threatening at all. And, uh, but it finally got so distracting. I had to be put back into the car until my father could conclude the business in the purchase of the dog. And it, and it has been that way all of my life in interacting with large crowds of dogs over here. We have these things that are like doggy daycare Mm. where they, where people drop off their dogs for the day and they get to socialize with other dogs. I can't go near such places because I drive them all to distraction (laughs) to where they're all concentrated on me. Now there's nothing in my DNA or anything that should, should account for this. And so I just have always jokingly said, well, it's because they recognize that I was a dog for a shitload of time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I didn't do dog very well. So I had to repeat the course. (laughs) And so consequently, Uh, I don't know if you have the same saying in English, but a dog life, that's like, yeah, exactly. The best thing, you know, (laughs) but Hey, I got good at it. So apparently I progressed out of it. Um, I rather so I rather had the seven lives of a cat <laughs> than a dog there you, life. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But that's just the you know it, that was my destiny and and just got stuck in that. That's cute. But but it's a it is at that it's at that level. It's one of these things that you just learn to live with that you brought over. So I have a city for that. You know, mm. never had a particular problem with um, uh, animals or any of these sorts of things. So it it, it is interesting and and it is uh, supportive. That reminds me of a question I don't have on my list, but if you manage to do it in one or two sentences, yeah. uh, I can throw it to you. Do animals have soul? Uh, Obviously they do if we've been animals. Yes, yes. Uh, animals uh, are part of the development process uh, for your soul learning to do its job. But do they do they have individualization? That's better to say because I was, I was just gonna, okay. Yeah. I was just going to say that yes, they do, but not all animals. Right, and so they're learning to get attain it exactly. Mm. So almost all dogs, almost all cats, 
uh, not uh, the domesticated, yeah. not extending out to wolves, but some wolves, some large cats, dolphins, apes. Yeah, dolphin. Okay, and even some, uh, certainly in dolphins, certainly in apes, certainly in orcas and uh, whales, mm. and those kind of things. But even into some of the herd animals, and you'll occasionally see examples of this where one cow out of hundreds understands what's going to happen and it bolts from the um uh from the killing yard it bolts from being turned into food yeah. and, and escapes you know and it attempts to do that and so that that animal is at that stage where it has consciousness uh, awareness of its own consciousness and pigs i guess genetically they're very close to humans yeah, that's not necessarily gene, – genes are, are a misleading thing and okay. you've got to understand what, what they're all about. But no, pigs are, are a um, – uh, they're a species like dogs. They're – Pretty smart. Is, yeah, they're pretty smart, but there's less of a, um, uh, a, a soul development within them than there is within dogs and cats. So not all pigs mm. and in fact probably – not half of the pigs, but with dogs, you can say it's probably 80% of all dogs. Mm. Okay. Moving on then. Um, are you sure a soul can't be erased? Uh, if and everything in cosmos is recirculated, I mean, can we fathom a, such a failure of our life that they say, well, maybe it's just better to disintegrate the elements of this entity and redistribute it? Okay. It You'll find in some literature that even in thinking and destiny that that is possible. Okay. You'll also find in some. You can flaunt. Is that what you call it in English? Like you do in school? Fla the what? Sorry. Uh, let's see. That when you fail school, you fail exam. What's it called? Oh, sure, sure, sure. You, you get, um, uh, right. Uh, it, it, there is a failure mechanism. Okay. Mm. But you really have got to work at it in order for universe to decide. <laughs> yeah, it's an achievement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because see, here's the thing. <laughs> flunk is the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can flunk, but universe has a, has invested 82 million right. incarnations in you by the time you become. They want to give you a chance. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and you've got to go against that accumulated um, yeah. uh, energy, so to speak, in order for that to occur. So let's, because there's such a thing as group calm. I haven't discussed that with you yet, but let's say that I nuke the entire planet into smithereens. Right. Maybe that would, because then I wasted so many accounts that maybe it's better, you know, despite my millions of years, what about the trillions of years I just wasted? Let's just remove this person. Okay. So that's a judgment call. And that kind of stuff, as I understand it, does not occur. Okay, that it doesn't work that way. We're protected. Yeah, that at, that the level would have to be an egregious sin against your own destiny, oh. as opposed to an action that you might take within this world. Okay, so Get it. Uh, so for instance, in this in this regard, metempsychoses says that suicide is not a good thing. Okay, you have the right to do that. It's appropriate under some conditions, but those it's just a setback anyway, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a it's a damaging setback, okay, because it causes repercussions that affect you in the metempsychosis, right. and that, and thus your next life will will have to deal with it. Okay, so my brother, for instance, is a uh, was a, um, a full fledged uh, paranoid uh, schizophrenic. Mm. All right, to totally dysfunctional, died young, had all of the the traditional kinds of things uh, go wrong with him. Uh, the in in the um, 
information that we have from yoga and, and even into the thinking and destiny, it is said that paranoid schizophrenics uh, in this life are the result of being a channeler in the last life. And so mm-hmm. people that channel uh, come into the next life not, not able to determine the difference between reality and fantasy. Uh, I'm going to end up having to go here real quick. So under those circumstances, see, you've got to be careful about the actions you take because they have the repercussions in the next life because you've got to deal with the karma of it all. Mm. Right. Okay. Uh, Moving on then. How do you account for the fact that we are, how many are we now? Six, seven billion? Um, Right. Now there is, uh, the scientist I interviewed, he said that there is a suggestion that can solve that. And that is that we used to incarnate with much more uh, time between every incarnation before, but that is accelerating now. That could explain why we're so many now. Otherwise, where are all these new, not souls, but beings coming from? They're not, they're not new, okay? And so if you look into our ancient past and you look at the tradition of Jainism, Jainism has one of the most complete cosmologies I've ever, ever come across. And that cosmology has two and a half islands of life in our solar system. And these two and a half islands of life uh, were Mars, Moon, and Earth. And we had 600 billion oh, right. people spread between them. So, so insofar as that's concerned, we're nowhere near the way we used to be. I see. So moving on to the next question. That makes sense, by the way. Yeah. So here's a, here's a nut. Here, here's something for you to answer. There is this notion of soulmates and, you know, there's very many primitive versions. But an interesting one is that... Uh, hear me out on this. Uh, sure. That if you progress and you accumulate a lot of experience, then you can um, reincarnate as different beings uh, that you can kind of split into, let's say, uh, I reincarnate as two persons. And those two persons would have an affinity with each other if they meet, like twins, right? Because it's yep. like, oh... Oh, we're resonating. You're my soulmate. And the opposite, that you can fuse, that if two people come close enough, they can reincarnate as one person. I can't, we don't have time for me to go into detail and account more for this idea, but I think you get the gist of it. Sure, sure. Just from and, what I said. Right. And my understanding is that the the two people fusing is the stated goal of the um, uh, the Masons. Okay, it's the idea of the Boaz and Yakim uh, fusing into the single pillar that supports the sun, and it is the the idea of the it, it's a restatement of the idea of the progression that all humans go through, but that it's um, allegorical and not actual. So that right. we don't actually we don't actually fuse with another person. Now, the idea of soulmates and affinity and even even um, disharmony with someone, even antagonism that just springs up and you have no real way to account for it is understandable. But it's also understandable in a kind of a weird perspective, because if I'm correct and there is this Inus that is shared among the group of 12 individual souls, there's nothing saying that uh, the reincarnation of the next Inus that is, that is associated with my soul and my body now need okay. not uh, be a separate time. And exactly. it could overlap. Okay, so, so there might be a female 
on this planet, because it would be the next next iteration would be female for, for my particular body. There may be a female on this planet right now that is basically sharing my I-ness. And we're that just, was my next question. Right. <clears throat> and we're sort of unaware of each other because yeah. there's nothing to say that the the incarnations have to be sequential. No, exactly. But then, then um, uh, yeah, so that's not exactly fusing or dissolving uh, from incarnation to incarnation, but it supports the idea that there's just one I-ness and, you know, you are me, I am you. Correct, <laughs> correct. And there's also, okay, and so we can also get into the idea of, as you say, the collective karma. And I can explain how collective karma works within the physical bodies and the energy bodies and where karma exists within your energy body and why we can have common uh, karmic uh, outcomes and a common karmic, karmic destiny among like, many. Like, like the infant who is born, uh, you know, one minute before the Hiroshima bomb. Correct. Correct. And, and it's because That's group karma. Exactly. And, and we all share certain karmas, uh, as we go forward based on our culture and where we are and so on. And you can change this as you go forward through life. If you have awareness by, you know, altering where you live and those sorts of things, but getting back to something you touched on, which was the dissolution of the soul. There are those people that are out there, uh, in, in our modern transhumanist, uh, uh looking, um, generation of individuals that, uh, think they've come up with an energetic mechanism that actually does that. Mm. Okay. And so they actually, uh, there's hints in literature here and there that they think they've come up with like, say, a an energetic ray, like a, a not, it's not nuclear, but, uh, we can think of it as in terms of radiation that would actually dissolve you all the way down to your soul and prevent reincarnation. Jesus, that's black. Wow. Exactly so. Exactly so. Now, I don't know that that's feasible, and I don't know that their understanding is correct, but I do know that I can find instances of them having that understanding. And we do know that, for instance, they, you know, the common way to deal with it, and as, as the Pope said when they um, torched, uh, what was his name, Demolay, yeah. the head of the Templars at the time, the, the, the Pope actually had this little thing read out to him before they burned him that said that, you know, here I am cursing you, uh, or basically I hope I'm cursing you by burning you alive such that you don't reincarnate and for 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. And so the goal was to create this, this shock that uh, in, indeed would keep him from reincarnating for 10,000 years and becoming a problem to future popes. Over splitting him into several different, because if you accumulate, if I accumulate, if I become, you know, very experienced, I could have enough in me for let's say three persons that would still be bigger than no it persons doesn't, doesn't work that way uh, other person yeah it doesn't doesn't work that way no right okay that's that's a, a fallacy that comes from living in the materium okay where where there's a you know a pile of uh gold or stones or coffee beans <laughs> and 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 it, and it grows and grows over time mm. what in fact occurs within humans is that the um the growth causes the you only have that one coffee bean and it causes that one coffee bean to become richer and is more intense so it vibrates on a higher level instead of yeah it's it's not quantity it's quality correct and so so there's no quantity that would allow you to become three individuals there is a quality that would allow you to become an enlightened be wiser than three individuals <laughs> 
<laughs> right, that would you know encounter you would allow you to become uh, the shining light that guides a whole nation that becomes a Gandhi right. that's able to accept the suffering, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where it is. It's the quality. Yeah, but if we can't split, we can't diffuse either because those two are correct, correct related. But you were unclear. Are everybody the same eye at the end of the day, or are they not? No, no, they're no, they are not the same. We share the the uh, concept and feeling of the inus, but we don't actually share the inus from one to the next to the next. When you have that enlightenment experience and you get the um, uh, overwhelming feeling of universal universality, it is something different. It is does not cause your inus to disappear. In fact. In all reports and from personal experience, it causes that inus to become um, much more visible, much more clear to you and uh, stand out even more. All the while, there is the contradiction of the um, uh, feeling of blending with all beings, of being able to touch the key, the karma, or the key or the chi or the prana of individuals and feel their inus as well as your own without a diminution of either. Hmm. Is there any pattern to the time between, I guess it's not if it's beyond time and space, but you said like Roman time was the last time you incarnated here, maybe. So, yeah. uh, but there's that's, that's not an amount of years or anything like that, which can define how frequent. There's, okay. There, there are indeed people that have done the, like I was saying about that German fellow that did the categorization of the, of the Carmens. Okay. There's a, he has a, a, a colleagues within the Jane scientific um, investigation into these where they have attempted to do a more uh, to perfect the mathematics that have been left to them by previous um, thinkers on the subject. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there is an attempt to predict the mathematics uh, that would define when you're going to reincarnate next. And this mathematics is uh, highly sought after by the elitists because of their idea of right. this war through time and that they want to be able to game the system and control when and how they reincarnate. But that doesn't answer if there's a pattern. There is there is a pattern, okay. but there's the there's the rub. Okay, human beings are pattern matching machines. Okay, our bodies are designed to find patterns. Mm. We frequently find patterns that uh, don't exist, yeah. and we see this continuously in like uh, people claiming to be, uh, you know, targeted individuals. They're seeing patterns that that uh, the pattern. They are not material. Those patterns. Correct. Mm. Correct. They're only in the eye of the beholder. Okay, that makes so, sense. So, it, it exists, but is that you know, the, does the, is a pattern independent of my ability to see it? I don't know. Mm, good point. Okay, I guess we've have it now. Did we? Did you tell us everything from your experience that you wanted to share, or is there more at the end here from that? No. No, there's there's a uh, there's vast quantities more, but we have to yeah, have obviously, to, but that you can or we will want exactly. to share. Exactly, we can't go into it now. We can't no. go into it now because we would have to discuss other things that we haven't brought up. Yeah, like this spirituality thing, it, it kind of leads me in the direction to think that we need in the future even one more show with you in this areas because we'll just scratch the surface. Sure. Yeah, we can. We can do that. Cool. Yeah, it is. It's very complex. Yes.
It is, it is. But uh, do you feel that for now you told us what you can tell us about your afterlife experience? Or is there yes. some small... No, there's, no, no, there's... um. Uh, I'm not alone in that. Okay. So I can tell you that there does exist literature that can be found even on the internet, but a lot of it is in old stale books that have been scanned, yeah. but there does exist a literature in which people re will recount, uh, uh, their version and their words mm. of similar experiences. And so it is It is common across humanity and it's non-cultural. Yeah, but you know what the interesting thing is? That is to find out because lots of it is, I mean, we work with our own psyche material. So sure. the interesting thing is to go beyond subjective projections and see what are objective patterns that's uh, that's what everyone can relate to because i can read 10 uh, experiences not even of afterlife 10 just uh, trivial experiences and there will be 10 different versions but some things will be common correct so the interesting thing is to go to the core the pattern that's the objective part correct and that's why since this is an exploratory subject and the Taoists and the yogis and these people did the exploration, they're most often cited. I most often cite the yogis and the Taoists because they wrote it down. Mm. They categorized it. They they quantified it as much as they were able. Other, other uh, cultures like the, the Curanderos in Mexico or the shaman in the Polynesian islands or the Amazon don't have that historic record of of the of the writing down of this so it's it's more difficult to ascertain and more difficult yeah. to uh to get the scope of their thing without that direct teaching but if you compare some of the fragments uh, i'll give you four sources you have the egyptian book of the dead you have the tibetan book of the dead and you actually have the you have fragments at least of the ancient greek uh, the eleusis book of the dead they're, they all use different symbology because it's different cultures, different times, but yep. some stuff is common. And uh, you, the task is to go beyond those differences. Yeah. Now, the fourth would be the Vatican Library. I'd give my right hand <laughs> to have free access because that's the biggest theft accumulation okay. of ancient wisdom. Right. And I would, I would, uh, personally, I would, uh, consider committing crimes for that for that access <laughs> i don't i don't know that i would i don't know that i would do them but it the prize is so valuable i would risk uh, considering a, cr a criminal action hey cliff i guess i guess we're gonna have to go yep. yeah let, let's hook up later and make a plan for that okay <laughs> okay sounds sounds good <laughs> all right i'll say goodbye now thanks a lot for your time okay, okay bye, bye. bye. Before me and Cliff plan the great Vatican heist, I'll read you some random quotes from different religions concerning reincarnation. And if you enjoy this program, remember to support us so we can provide you further in the same line. And the way you support us, obviously, you can donate become a website subscriber you'll get everything before everyone else and there's always going to be a bunch of shows unreleased to the public at any given time plus some excerpts behind the scenes stuff and outtakes but 
the bulk of you will not do that and then instead you can subscribe to both our YouTube channels very important for us to have a lot of subscribers and you will be notified when stuff comes out if you click the bell that's important click the bell next to the subscription button further you can disable ad block it's impossible to sustain anything from YouTube ads these days unless you're the mainstream media but any amount counts and you can consider it your donation if you let the ads play at least not block them we don't we deliberately do not put on those annoying ads that lock the program for a long time we want you to be able to move on to the show as soon as possible but if you block them we get nothing other ways is of course spreading the word don't just send a random show to any person but if you know a person you know their interests and you suspect that a particular show we have will be worthy of their attention then pitch them that show it's it's the organic thing man it's the only thing we don't spend uh, any energy on marketing or it's just the word of mouth is how we're spreading keeping it unpretentious under the radar down to earth so um i've uh, retrieved a few earthy sentences from different religions i mean i i could probably find from every corner of the world and as far back as possible but this is just an illustration to the discussion so it will have to do for now and i'm going to start with the ancient greeks first pythagoras who said souls never die but always on quitting one abode pass to another all things change nothing perishes the soul passes hither and thither occupying now this body now that as a wax is stamped with certain figures then melted then stamped anew with others yet it is always the same wax so the soul being always the same yet wears at different times different forms socrates said i am certain that i have been here as i am now a thousand times before and i hope to return a thousand times and he said i am confident that there truly is such a thing as living again that the living spring from the dead and that the souls of the dead are in existence philo said the air is full of souls those who are nearest to earth descending to be tied to mortal bodies return to other bodies desiring to live in them plato the choice of souls was in most cases based on their own experience of a previous life knowledge easily acquired is that which the enduring self had in an earlier life so that it flows back easily epictetus as a man casting off worn out garments taketh new ones so the dweller in the body entereth into ones that are new julius caesar said the celts were fearless warriors because they wished to inculcate this as one of their leading tenets the souls do not become extinct but pass after death from one body to another and he said the principal points of the druids doctrine is that the soul does not die and that after death is it passes from one body into another 
Solomon said in his book of wisdom, I was a child of good nature, and a good soul came to me, or rather, because I was good, I came into an undefiled body. And the Jewish Zohar, the souls must re-enter the absolute substance whence they have emerged, but to accomplish this, they must develop all the perfections the germ of which is planted in them, and if they have not fulfilled this condition during one life, they must commence another, a third, and so forth, until they have acquired the condition which fits them for reunion with God. Jesus said, Souls are poured from one into another of different kinds of bodies of the world. In the Gnostic Gospels, Pistisophia. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? From John 9, 2. Moving on to Islam. And God hath caused you to spring forth from the earth like a plant. Hereafter will he turn you back into it again and bring you forth anew. From the Quran, Surah 17, one, seventeen, And you were dead, and he brought you back to life, and he shall cause you to die, and shall bring you back to life, and in the end shall gather you unto himself. Quran, Surat al-Baqarah 2.28 God degenerates beings and sends them back over and over again till they return to him also from the Koran, and finally an oriental input of Taoism. To attain to the human form must always be a source of joy, and then to undergo continuous transitions with only the infinite to look forward to, what incomparable bliss is that? That's Lao Tse from Tao Te Ching. The transformation toward eternal life is gradual. The heavy gross energy of body, mind and spirit must first be purified and uplifted. When the energy ascends, then self-mastery can be sought. Lao Tse in Hua Hu Ching 71 And that's it for today. We will soon be back with another mind-bending program. Meanwhile, I remain your sincere host Al. Thanks to my good helpers and your support. Be seeing you. Who is number one?